previously on Lonely Boys. I suffer through mediocre sex with an editor's assistant to find out who's publishing your book, and this is how you thank me? Chuck, you felt nothing after Field of Dreams, famously the 12th best movie of all time. So I'm taking it to the next level. If that scene at the end where Kevin Costner has set at set, I have oh. to say has catch, not has set. <laughs> you know what? Let's move on. If that movie can't make you feel, then maybe this little guy can. The only thing the no smart girl. Uh, okay, well, that's why I didn't like it. The only thing the smart girl <laughs> makes me feel is disgust. Take it back to the pounder. I will. Sorry, I have a meeting. I gotta kill this book once and for all. I have to see my old mentor Noah Shapiro. It'll take some persuading, but I think it'll help. I have some knee pads in the bedroom if you need them. Meaning you can suck his dick. You know what? I don't think I'm gonna need to suck his dick, Chuck. I think a simple conversation will do the trick. Can you but please thank suck you his anyway. dick? <laughs> Chuck, I'm not going to suck this man's dick. Okay. Whoa, 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 wait. No dick sucking is involved? Just kidding. <laughs> um, well, well who, who's this little guy? He's Chuck's new... Uh... Drunken mistake. Never sleep with a girl from PETA. What, do we have plans or something? Is that why you're here? No, 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 no. I I'm just here to wish you good luck on your first day. Good luck. Thank you. Remember to walk the dog, Chuck. <laughs> What, you, are you going to keep him? Of course not. Well, you should. You might need a new buddy. I won't be around much between school and my new job at The Spectator. You do know this is not the kind of job you should get from a chicken Hollywood party. Well, Diana's completely rebuilding the paper, and even though I'm the only intern, like she says there's a lot of opportunity to, to move up and up and up. <laughs> Nathaniel, you and I both know the only reason this woman's hired you is so you can please her in the bedroom, not the boardroom, I thank you. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to call Victor to get this thing out of here. Hey, up for Siders, and welcome back to another episode of the Lonely Boys Podcast. My name is Matt. I am one of your titular Lonely Boys, and I am here to talk about Season 5, Episode 4 of Gossip Girl, Memoirs of an Invisible Dan. But I'm not here by myself. I'm here with someone who doesn't need to write a book to alienate all of his friends and family. It's Brendan Ruppel. Hello. I am your co-host, of course, the creepy uncle of podcasting, a.k.a. Oh, uncle Cream. Hi, little Hello, Cream Nation. I'm recording live as always from the Creamatorium. I'm your editor-in-chief here at Cream Weekly. Dr. Officer Cream record, reporting for Boo Tea. Cream, yes, cream. Cream, yes, cream. You did the same thing yesterday. Yeah. And well, I yesterday just was just for today. a smaller audience. Side. And today's the actual day. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yesterday spooky. was all Hollow's Eve, Eve, and today is uh, the actual Halloween. Correct. Uh, so I hope that was spooky enough for curtain, uh, you free fucks, <laughs> you freeloaders. Yeah, I think, everyone just <laughs> I think everyone just turned off the podcast. They were so scared. <laughs> right, they probably thought it was a different podcast. So different. Uh, yeah, they probably were a little confused. As I said it again, this time I realized how much booty sounds like it's a pirate pod now, or like it's, it's where they speak like a pirate day. <laughs> Not so much Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're a pirate for Halloween. That could work, too. I'm dressed as a pirate right now. I'm going to do the whole episode. Yeah, exactly. You're pirate. usually dressed as a pirate when we record. Right. Brendan, we're not by ourselves again. We have, of course, another guest. You know him. You love him. He's been here before. He's been on the Sandy Boys before, and now he is part of the illustrious Two Timers crew in on the Lonely Boys. Please welcome back to your earbuds. It's TV's Kevin Lanigan. Kevin, Hello. how are you? Hex ghost, hex ghost, gossip ghoul. Yeah. Uh, 
I, yes, it's me. TV's <laughs> coffin, Lana Ghost, and uh, I am here. What I, my favorite thing about this bit is that this will come out after Halloween, so it's just residual spooky skeleton energy. Well, I'm, I'm of course, thrilled and uh, ecstatic to be back. Uh, the illustrious two-timers club is my home, and yep. uh, I am taking up residence here. I believe you are the uh, 16th member, the 16th repeat guest in our history. So you can yeah, wear that with number a, 16. I with always a badge say. of honor. Yeah, nice. yes, exactly. Um, well, welcome back. Have you been doing a lot of uh, Gossip Girl watching since the last time you've been on the pod? Yes, I have kept I've kept up to date with okay. the the Lonely Boys podcast. I'll admit, I was behind for a little bit, and I have. A lot of OC watching and then a lot of Gossip Girl watching to do. But that's always pleasurable. Unfortunately, now I'm like caught up. I intend to stay caught up. So I have to wow. I have to fill this this void yeah. of soapy network <laughs> dramas in my in my viewing uh, uh, schedule. Um, I don't know. How, I don't know how the podcast feels about this show. I've been filling it with uh, uh, Desperate Housewives. Everyone Ooh. remembers Desperate Housewives. I, yes. I didn't see much it of it, but good. I feel like I've seen it in the background when parents were watching, and I was intrigued as a boy. So I, I was intrigued as a young boy. Yes, there was a lot, lot to intrigue a young boy on uh, the show Desperate Housewives, yeah. let me tell you. Um, I remember I at least watched some of it in its original run, but like I feel very similarly to uh, how I feel about Gossip Girl, how I feel about Desperate Housewives is like, damn, we just aren't making shows at this level anymore. Um, <laughs> the pilot of Desperate Housewives establishes a central mystery, four main character stories, and then a second subsequent mystery. And it's like, we're not operating with that kind of efficiency <laughs> on TV anymore. That, the amount so right. of plot in the in the Desperate Housewives pilot would take an entire season of a Netflix show now. It's just weird. Mark Cherry was hooking, and it yeah. was we're all the worse for for getting rid of that. Yeah, and this has turned into a Desperate Housewives podcast now. Uh, when I was in college, <laughs> Desperate Housewives was on Netflix, and I had a friend who was very into Desperate Housewives, and she was like, oh, I'm watching it. You should watch it too. And so I started watching, and I watched the first four episodes, and it hooked me. And um, by that, I mean I just stopped watching after four episodes, and I don't know why, and I never got back into it. But it was <laughs> it really hooked. good. Like, what a, what I, I was loving it. I just <laughs> – it just – you know, college happened, and I ran out of time. and then College happened. Uh, and then I just never really got back into it. Like, if it was today, if it was today's day and age, I would I would make sure that I finished a show to completion. But I, I guess I didn't have that uh, mm. sense of needing to finish everything back when I was a, a young right. boy in college. Not as much of a completionist as you are now. No, exactly. Now I'm far more of a completionist these days. Yeah. Uh, no, Absolutely. I, I, I would get what a show to complete. I'll try it. Yeah, maybe I'll go back. I mean, it is on my list of potential shows to go back to. But uh, you know, I just who has the time these days? It's a commitment. I get it. It's eight seasons of like network drama number of episodes. Just right. like these, it's a mammoth amount of TV. Right. Exactly. No. Yeah. Um, so maybe someday we'll do the we'll do the Desperate Boys after after the, the Lonely Boys. boys. <laughs> Sign me up. Twelve Timers Club. You know, like I'll, <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to you, you don't want to be a co-host. Season. You just want to show up every other episode. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Not not to give everyone another peek behind the curtain, but 
I have so many notes on this episode. This episode really gave me a lot to talk about uh, of Gossip Girl. We're, we've switched back into a Gossip Girl podcast. Uh, so let's let's uh, let's just get into this. Um, Brendan, it's your time to shine. The episode title is Memoirs of an Invisible Dan. Do you have any idea what this might be referencing? I'm going to guess it's Memoirs of an Invisible Man. I've never heard of that, but that's that's my guess. Okay. Uh, it's a good guess. The oh, reference God. I hate is, to say that. It's, it means wrong to say, the, to say wrong. The 1992 film, Memoirs of an Invisible Man, I oh, fooled you. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's not <laughs> April Fool's Day. It's other end of yeah, the Yeah, I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Gotcha. Um, so you are, now, you are back up to 500. You are two for four on the season. So very good job there. Um, not, no losing streak. Don't worry. You are you are good <laughs> here. Uh, the original air date, you know, almost exactly 12 years ago. Well, uh, 12 years and two weeks ago. This was on October wow. 17th, 2011. Uh, so it was also spooky season back, back when this was on. And, Brendan, it's directed by our good friend Tate Donovan of Jimmy Cooper fame on the OC. Uh, I could tell it had that stink to it. <laughs> I could tell it had that pathetic <laughs> air to it. Hey, everyone, <laughs> everyone's hairline was an inch back in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Let's let's get this hair looking like mine." <laughs> Everyone, push your hair. That's the only thing he provided. That's gold. As a director. That's gold. That's gold. <laughs> <laughs> so, we start with Dan all dressed up. He is walking in a room in slow motion. He greets all of his adoring fans. Everyone is so excited to greet Dan. They love the book. But then Dan slowly realizes that he doesn't know anyone here. He's kind of looking on in horror and confusion at what he sees. And uh, then we transition to Alessandra, uh, Dan's new like book agent person praising Dan's book. So if we were unclear what the first scene was, uh, it seems to be a, uh, a depiction of what like the final scene in his book is supposed to look like. And we, we're going to be doing a lot of this in this episode, kind of just uh, flashing to what the scene in the book may look like. Oh, now I'm starting to see that, that Tate Donovan now. And now I see it. Just like when you, when you cut to the book and it's just a different color and a little bit more dramatic. That's a Tate Just the classic. lighting is is turned up, you know, like twenty percent. They put the yeah. the color gels on the mm-hmm. on the lights, and it was I, my only feel. note about this format. I wish they'd done it more. I wish there were like more cutaways like this throughout the episode. But it's mm-hmm. it's jam packed. I don't know what you it take is, out yeah. in exchange for more of those. It's true. They would have had to make it like a supersized episode. It's like, it's like, um, I think this so. is this is what we're missing from like things like in the OC. There's some things that could benefit from being in the OC that are in Gossip Girl and vice versa. I like how mm. these. Dramatic scenes are also simultaneously goofy. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. Uh, the, the The tone is is appropriate here for this uh, latter era gossip girl. Got to got to keep things a little goofy here. Yeah. So Alessandra is telling Dan that the ending of the book slays her, and she, uh, she, you know, she tells Dan the ending slays, and it slays her how Dan is all alone with no friends left, surrounded by people who think they know him but really don't. And she's like, it's genius, and Dan Dan wants the point. He's like, this this isn't me. Like the book. Like, Harry's name is Dylan Hunter. The book is fiction. And uh, Alessandra agrees that it's a brilliant piece of fiction that is number 38 on the Amazon pre-order list. Uh, is that good? How many books are on the Amazon pre-order like, list at one time? It's top 40, usually. In theory, hundreds, you know? So number 38, I guess, is pretty good. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty good for, like, a for a first-time for, author. You know, you're on there with no. Stephen King and, uh, you know, <laughs> right. the rest. Other people is this, books? <laughs> is getting so much fanfare? I don't... Yeah, uh, yeah. It has... No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I don't. I don't. I was gonna kind of just say I don't know. All I could think of was like the <laughs> the weird, uh, like journal entry or like the magazine entry that got leaked. Maybe people saw like, oh, this might be. Oh right. 
Well, we killed it. Well, was there, there, was the, there was the weird scuttlebutt with like his mentor, you know, a few episodes yes. ago where like he was kind of drumming up press. And uh, mm-hmm. I guess Alessandra's good at her job. Yeah, I guess the you know, drumming up so. some juicy, like, this is the tell all of the rich and fame. You know, like this is, I get how this book gets like pumped up. I, I see how people are like, maybe not in a pre-order sense. But right. I, I could see how this book would like take off after it came out. Yeah, you know, that is true. Because pre-order to me, like, you have to have a fan base already for a bunch of pre-orders. Right. This is a. Uh, there must be some kind of a hell of a promotion for this book because Dan is an up-and-coming nobody author, and uh, Alessandra says that it already has twenty-five thousand copies of Dan's uh, have shipped so far. Dan's book. Yeah, that's incredible. Not I, bad. I, I, that's the work of the publishing company, I guess. So she, Alessandra thinks that half the buyers are probably Upper East Siders dying to see if they're in the book, uh, even though, once again, the book is fiction. But even though the book is fiction, Dan knows that his friends are going to feel like they're in the book. And Alessandra's like, well, are, are they coming tonight to the book party? And Dan's like, they're not because they don't even know the book exists yet. So uh, Alessandra's like, no, what? If they're really your friends, they'll be happy to see your star eyes. They, they should be at the soiree tonight. But, like, he's read the book, so shouldn't she understand why uh, Dan feels like they might not be happy with it? Yeah, I think she does. She just pretend like she like she just wants to burst this aside and get the people in the room for a picture and a photo op and to have them all mingling. Um, but also, also everyone besides like Serena does know that this book exists. <laughs> at least, at least I mean, they they they, they, re, like, they remember that Chuck knew for sure. Everybody else seemed to forget. Right. Yeah, everyone else seemed to forget that there was a book coming out. I, I believe you know Rufus at knew at least knew about the chapter. So did Blair knew about that. He story looks like the most stunned when he saw the book. He's like, a book? <laughs> like that? He read a good chunk. Rufus of it. read the book. He's like, you fucked Blair. No way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but so I mean, like all throughout the episode, Alessandra's like, yeah, we'll get your we'll, we'll get your friends there. We'll all take a picture of you guys together so that everyone can guess who's who. It's like they're not gonna these people like i know these people think highly of them like they're self-obsessed but they're they're not gonna want to like have themselves portrayed negatively and have like people try to guess like which terrible person is which even though like if they know the names of the people it should be painfully obvious who who's sabrina <laughs> uh vander tussle is or whatever her name is, or Cl- <laughs> claire carlisle and charlie Tra- like it doesn't take a, a rocket scientist to uh to figure out who is who no yeah if, if you are in this world and you have heard of these people like you're like oh okay that's that's a pretty one-to-one yeah, who do you think Charlie yeah. Trout is? Chuck Bass or Derek? Chuck Bass is Charlie Trout or Derek? I don't know. It could be anyone. It could be anybody. It's <laughs> yeah. He did the most like barely filed the serial numbers off thing. Yeah. Like Dan did not like when he control F'd this book and was like he just did not come up with anything remotely. Creative. I mean, honestly, it's so it's so silly. If he gave them complete random names and still wrote the exact same story, otherwise. And told them like, "Hey, this is kind of about you guys." They would be less mad, but I think the fact that it does have almost their exact birth name in there, right? Like this, they is can't you. help us separate it. Like, right? Separate like it. if he just right, right? If he just changes the name and just is like, "Oh, it's fiction." Like, yeah, I took some stuff from like life, yeah. but it's like a satire. It's not really based on anything. They'd be like, "Oh, okay." But because he gives each of them such a specific name, like this is Sabrina. This is what I think of you, Serena. This is right. this is Claire. I want to have sex with you, Blair. Like it's very without clear. the names, they'd have to like <laughs> really read into it and be like, "That kind of reminds right. me." Right? It'd be like, right. name is Alice." Like if you see yourself, if you see yourself in this character, that says more about you than it does about me. But because you're naming you're them after that, it's like. Right. <laughs> so Blair is looking at herself in the mirror. She's exclaiming, uh, look at my boobs. And finally, Brendan, you're getting some permission to stare at Blair's boobs. <laughs> I've been <laughs> avoiding it for five seasons. <laughs> I couldn't look. And they're pretty so good. finally, Blair has given me permission to stare. 
if you can look down. I've been making firm eye contact with my TV screen. I haven't now. really seen. You haven't seen the, this show. I've been listening to it. <laughs> this has been an audio book. Yeah. <laughs> this is a radio drama, as far as I'm concerned. So. Uh, Louis tells Blair she looks gorgeous. He can't wait to tell the whole world the good news. Uh, Louis's mom and sister arrive tonight, and Blair has told Eleanor and Cyrus to come as well, and they will tell everyone the great news together. I was so happy. I thought we were going to get Cyrus in this episode. Oh, I was so excited, but he would look great in that picture. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I I saw that like you know uh, Wallace Shawn's name was not in like the opening credits, yeah. and I'm like, all right, this dinner party's getting canceled. Like, he, there's no way this is going off because he's, like, he's not in the episode. They didn't credit him. A little bit of a credit spoiler, yeah. <laughs> I think you just got to um, not show up. Like, uh, guys, I actually can't make it tonight. Uh, cough, cough. I have, I'm starting to feel sick. Just totally cancel on us. <laughs> I'm sick. <laughs> I'm sick. I took two Advils, but it was not enough. <laughs> so, <laughs> Blair, Blair is hoping that uh, Louis' family won't be upset or look at her like she's from some trashy MTV show like Unmarried and Pregnant Princesses or Royally Screwed. I like um, Royally Screwed. I, That's good. You know, I. Yeah, I think that's probably the better name for a show that uh, for that show. Would people watch this? I, I guess they would, right? Uh, pregnant princesses. I, I guess that's something. Uh, yeah, people watch way yeah. worse shows than the Pregnant Princess show. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Louis assures Blair that his mother will be over the moon because the job of any princess is to provide an heir to the kingdom, and that's exactly what Blair is doing. Uh, very flattering. <laughs> She's like. Um, <laughs> And Blair says, an heir to a kingdom lives within me. How very Shakespeare. Uh, I'm always saying the show is like Shakespeare. And uh, Louis hopes yeah. it's a comedy, not a tragedy. Uh, but if I know this show like I think I do, this is a tragedy waiting to happen. Yeah, uh, with a little bit of comedy sprinkled in there. Yeah, of course, there, there's going to be some comedy. but um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Not to not to spoil Gossip Girl, but this show ends with all of them dying. Every, yeah. every single one of these people are going to kill each other. Isn't, isn't comedy isn't just it... uh, time plus tragedy or something like that? Yeah, so if you just get rid of time, then yeah, like yeah, like 9/11, 20 though. Exactly, it's been twenty years. It's been twenty years. Twenty two, even. Twenty, yeah. Um, now it's hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> Serena is still in her worker bee era. Uh, she's at her job. She's taking phone calls. Producer Jane comes in and announces uh, that she's on a juice fast, so uh, it won't be pretty. Have you guys ever <laughs> oh, done a, a juice fast or or any type of fast? No, no, I would never. I'm very hungry all the time. Mm. I I haven't, but only because uh, they don't work and are, <laughs> are made up. That's been my main reason not to do. Yeah, so I, I, I'm agree with like I think any diet that involves like a purge of sorts is just not legit. Yeah, I it's not. No, go. Ahead. It's just it's your body wants to eat. If it's not a diet you can maintain for the rest of your life, then like it's not going to work. Absolutely. And uh, you're you just can't live on juice for the rest of your life. You just can't. <laughs> Let's talk about cleanses. Yeah, but it's like I don't know a cleanse. Like a, a drinking juice is not going to do more than like the four organs in your body that are meant to cleanse you. Like it's just it's, you, your body's prepared for cleansing. If there's so I, I much have, inside of you that cleanses you, I have fasted uh, many times for for fun and for sport. Uh, back in not to bring up my that's different days again. Those, those are funny. <laughs> back in college, uh, Ganesh turned to me one day and was like, uh, "Hey." Do you think you could go longer than me without eating? And I said, I, "You're on." So me, him, and James and O'Brien both went to see how long we could we could go without eating for. Uh, O'Brien folded after 12 hours, of course. Um, I think it was even it's not that long, actually. But me, 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 James, and Ganesh all made it two days, and then we were That's like, "Okay." Insane. Well, we oh were like, God. "Listen, we made it. To, we made it 48 hours without eating," and we were like, "You know what? 
let's just call it a tie. You know, we don't all want it to die. But then I was in a public speaking class. That was freshman year. Then sophomore year comes around. I'm in a public speaking class. And someone does an informative speech on the uh, – the benefits of fasting. And I was like, oh my God, I fasted last year. So you're saying this is actually a good thing that I did. He's like, it gets rid of all the toxins. It's so it's so good for you. And I was like, oh, this is great. Let me bring this back, this news back to the boys. We should be doing this more often. <laughs> so I said, guys, you know how we fasted last year? Let's do it again this year, except this time we'll do it right before finals. So all the toxins get out of our system right before finals. We'll do really well. So we did fasting for finals, hashtag fasting for finals. Uh, we, the, old, the old crew came back. Me, Ganesh, James, O'Brien was out this time. Me, Ganesh, James, and James's girlfriend, Sam. And we said, let's make it three days. We'll do it for three oh days before finals. 72 hours without I, this eating. This can't be what the guy was uh, saying in his, in his project. <laughs> the longer you do it, the better it is. This time, James and Sam folded because Sam made cookies. Bad move if you're fasting. Me and Ganesh, though, yeah, we, did yeah, make, right? we did make it. Classic <laughs> error. <laughs> Classic error in fasting. I, I accidentally <laughs> made something delicious. That's just it took me hours. And here just and warm. While we're fasting, let's just have them sit here. Yeah, they were doomed to fail. Uh, so me and Ganesh made it the full 72 hours, uh, and and then we took finals the day after, and it was great. What did you feel like towards the end of that? Um. The toughest part, I would say, is going to sleep on a on a oh, empty yeah. stomach. I think if you're doing something, like, y- your body gets distracted after a while, and y- yeah. you can just kind of forget that you're hungry. But when you're trying to sleep and your tummy is, like, growling, that was tough. Also... On the on the third day, on the third day, I rose uh, from from my bed and I decided to go to the gym on on like no food, which was a terrible idea. I started to feel very lightheaded, and I was like, oh, maybe yeah. I should ch- cut this workout short. Like this, <laughs> <laughs> this is my body. I'm making some terrible choices right now with, with my body. So, That's uh, yeah. unbelievable. That's absolutely <laughs> incredible. I do think like I could maybe fast if I had like the right video game to play does that make like i feel like if i were distracted enough swinging around new york city as spider-man like it'd be (laughs) possible that i could just not eat there was also the time in college where i i bet slifer that i could go a week without eating solid food and i did win that bet uh that was a that was a fun that was a fun week what was like the the closest thing to solid you've had at that during that bet like chili or something well so I did I every for lunch every day i did vanilla milkshake and for dinner every day i did tomato soup Uh, and then there was one night like no chunks. Either. Yeah, and then there was there was one night where I tried to blend up a slice of pizza and eat it, but uh, it was it was very solid, and so I had to add a ton of tomato sauce and ranch just to make it liquidy enough to drink. And then I, I drank it. Uh, I only got through half a slice. It was very filling. Half and, a slice. Uh, it did taste like pizza. It was, it was yeah. I drank half a slice, and I said, you know what? I'll stick to the tomato soup from now on for dinner. Drank like a quart of ranch dressing, and you're like, mm, this is pretty. Filling. I don't think I realized how bored you were in college. <laughs> college <laughs> students are fucking incredible. They're just not human for like yeah, four it's years. True. It's unbelievable. It's true. You give me an, an eating based bet, and I could I could uh, I could amaze you. <laughs> well, it is really true. Like, you, if if you just decide to do something, you are one of the people that can be more determined than anyone to complete it. And, and yeah, and when I make anything. a rule for myself, my my willpower is oh, pretty yeah. uh, pretty it's outstanding. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Thank you. Let's let's. I guess after that aside, let's get back. Let's get back into the episode here. Um, so Serena brings to Jane's attention the new spec script that Sony won in a bidding war, American Psycho in prep school. Uh, I, I'd watch it. I'm a big American Psycho guy. Uh, this is a movie that exists. It's called it? American Psycho Two, <laughs> and it stars Mila Kunis. Um, it has a subtitle. Hold on. I've never seen the American, American Psycho Psychos, or or Psycho for that matter. America. 
Uh, I have I've seen go to All American Girl starring Mila Kunis. Angrier, I'll have to, I'll have to deadlier, check it out. sexier. <laughs> oh, oh. I'll have to check it out. So you can watch it right now on Peacock if you have a Peacock right, let's, subscription. Let's pause down. Let's all watch American Psycho 2. Okay. Uh, psycho or <laughs> sexier, <laughs> nastier. And we are back. Wow. I got to say. I, I, by, I'm sorry. You're not going to believe this. It's directed by Morgan J. Freeman. Freeman. Wow. Okay. Is, is it Morgan Freeman or is it this a different person? It's a white guy named Morgan oh, okay. J. Freeman. <laughs> J. Freeman. Hence the J. Right. <laughs> That's why you got to put the J in there. That's the a very J. crucial J as yeah. far as various guilds are concerned. Well, so, so Serena, uh, I guess th that's their next big project. They'll be on the phone with Mila Kunis soon and uh, Morgan J. Freeman. Uh, but <laughs> Serena does this a long shot, but she said that uh, she sent Daniel Day-Lewis the Blue Rose along with a note and a rose bush that only grows in Ireland. Uh, she thought it would be a special touch. I, I guess this scene is supposed to demonstrate to us that Serena is great at her job. Like, <laughs> okay, sure. Um, and Jane loves that Serena's putting it out there. She has Sam, who I guess is... Some kind of assistant that works. I don't know if he's Serena's assistant or Jane's assistant or if he just works there. Yeah, with, he's just with there. Them, like, but... we've known him for like seasons after seasons. He's just like one of our yeah. best pals. His job is just to laugh at everything he reads about <laughs> Serena in the book. Also, if Serena's supposed to be good at her job, like, couldn't anyone just like send a bunch of shit to a bunch of celebrities and then get credit for it? You can send anything <laughs> but you want. But you got to send the right. I, yes, I guess you know, so. it's, it's all about reading the room. I, I bet like next episode she sends the same flower from Ireland. Doesn't realize like the connection was that he's Irish. She just sends the same flower <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> Nate and Diana are looking at all the content they stole from the phones and uh, they're looking at some some naughty pictures of, of two people all cuddled up together uh, Nate's giving Diana the tea on why these pictures are interesting and Nate is happy that the Jenny Peckham phone swipe gave them some pretty good stories but Diana's not happy with pretty good if only they could have gotten Blair Waldorf's phone but uh, Nate reminds Diana that Blair's his friend and his friends are off limits I, I, love, I love that the spectator is going to report on every rich person in New York except for Nate's friends except and then people are going to see that Nate is literally the only reporter <laughs> and really be able to put two and two together with what's going on. I still on. don't understand how they're going to monetize one of this. Two employees at this magazine. <laughs> and so, they're, they're spending way too much money on rent at this big office that only two people work in, by the way. It's absurd. It's a, I, Ivy's phone rings, rings. Diane ignores it. Uh, she's too intrigued by who Ivy is to throw it away. She wants to find the mysterious Ivy. There's no one by that name on the list. No tags of her at the party. And uh, Nate thinks that she was a crasher. But Diana has a feeling about this girl. They're, they're looking at the numbers on her phone. And Nate's like, wait a second. I know that number. And I'll call bullshit. Like, Nate recognizes Serena's phone number no, on I, his I, phone. How I, many I phone believe numbers? That. At this time, in, I, I still kind of knew some phone numbers in 2011. Nate? And okay. Serena have been uh, associates for a long time, former uh, paramours, of course. And yes. yeah, what this show debuts in what, like 08? 07 even. 07? Yeah, so that was definitely like cell phones were just gaining the ability to like mm -hmm. save numbers. And also cell phones were just like becoming widely commercially available. I buy it that Nate would know like a dozen phone numbers off the top of yeah, his head. Yeah, I think I could, I, could, okay. I could do two in my head right now. I'm still going to call bullshit because it is not like Diana pulled this number out and said, Nate, you recognize this number? And he looked at it and was like, I think, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, Serena. There is a list of numbers on the screen. And, she's scrolling and past Nate just like sees, sees one out of the corner of his eyes. And like Rain Man is like, wait, I know these digits. This is Serena. Like He's a numbers man, still... not a words man. <laughs> that's, 
that's still pretty incredible to just see out of like the corner of your eye and be able to recognize the number. But yeah, all right. Um, that's Nate's so, power. Nate Archibald. You he's, underestimate his mind at your own peril. That is his one power, I guess. Um, so we see Ivy calling her phone. Uh, she's been calling it nonstop. Can't seem to find it. Does she not know where it is? Like, doesn't she know that she checked it at the party? I, I I get that if she shows up, which she ends up doing anyway, but that Diana will know that she is Ivy, so she can't do that. But, like, why is she calling it, and why is she so confused? Like, why is she like, where's my phone? I have no idea where I put it. When just last episode, she was like, damn it, I left my phone at the party. So she knows exactly yeah. where it is. I, I guess she's hoping someone will pick up, and she'll be like, hey, where is this right now? Can I come get it? And, like, maybe <laughs> trying to figure out what to do then? I don't know. Yeah, um... Lily thinks it's time for Charlie to just get a new phone. That's new the city, re- new what you really phone. should that's do. What, like, just leave it behind. That's what I always say. Get a new phone. Yeah, cut your losses, Abe. How, I, I don't know what. I don't know what you, you, you don't have anyone in that phone that you need anymore because your life is here now, and I don't think she has any like coworkers from her old life, like her old sketchy. No, she life. says her whole. She says her whole world is in that phone. What is there? Like, I thought is there some secret we don't know about? <laughs> she needs her phone for. I don't know. Um, Rufus comes downstairs. He's excited to announce that the new Panic album has been mixed or whatever. Like, are we supposed to be invested with this Panic album? Like, every oh, episode we have, we have, like, we have an update where, where Rufus, like, met with Panic again. We're, like, we've never met this I band I am very excited, Panic. only like, because it might mean that we get to see Rufus perform on a stage again at some point. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> so Charlie asks Rufus if he ever regrets not getting back into, into music The sooner. most random and question I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> really? It comes back around, obviously, but, like, 40 minutes later... <laughs> Do you it's feel so like you forced. wasted your life, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Do you regret not doing this? Like, you're so good with Panic and, and mixing albums. Like, like, no, I'm good. Rufus like, no, I wouldn't give up raising my kids for anything. Unless, Unless of course, one of them ends up writing a book <laughs> that talks about how I'm a fucking trophy husband <laughs> that, that's, that sold everything out. If anyone did that, then yeah, I'd say I regret music. But since that's <laughs> never going to happen, no, of course not. I love raising my kids. <laughs> it, it, it also seems like a... Uh, like Rufus is like, I wouldn't give up raising my kids for anything. Seems like a pointed statement with Lily yeah. right in the room with him. Like, he also like, like imagine like being super proud of your kids, and then you find out one day that your kid doesn't like fully respect you anymore. And, like now we regret ever raising yes. you. <laughs> <What>? Right. <laughs> and then his other kid is Jenny, who he hasn't talked to in a year. <laughs> <laughs> Love yeah, my kids. <laughs> Early in this episode, people going like, oh, I just love Dan. I'm going to be friends with Dan forever. Dan is my favorite child. So Dan that they can, can all be mad at Dan later. Yeah. Uh, Chuck is taking Monkey for a walk. Uh, Blair's with them and asks if he knows thing. what this... <laughs> Blair, this is my dog, Monkey. <laughs> uh, they've been both... Dog. Blair and Dan... <laughs> Monkey. Blair and Chuck have been summoned by Dan. (laughs) Um, They have some playful banter, but Chuck stops walking, gets serious, and asks Blair how she is. And then the craziest, most convoluted thing happens. Monkey starts going wild and barking, pulling Chuck towards Blair. And Blair has to put up her hands to stop him. So for a very brief moment, it looks as if they are embracing each other. And at that exact moment, a random person happens to be walking by with her phone out and pointed in their direction. And she takes a picture at the exact moment that Chuck and Blair appear to be embracing. This is fucking crazy. She planted the squirrel. She had it she, in her pocketbook and she threw it out. She planted the squirrel. Or this is like the craziest stroke of bad luck of all time. I don't know. I, I mean, I guess you saw the look on that stranger's face. You know, she was interested in what was happening. Yeah. She knows who these people are. Exactly. She, was she, she, she saw her opportunity and she took it. Crazy that her phone was already pointed that way. And then Chuck just goes, sorry, squirrels. <laughs> <laughs> Monkeys, squirrels. And, and they, Monkeys, squirrels. You know how it is. So, 
the whole gang is here, uh, minus Dan, at, at the penthouse, and they're wondering why Dan has assembled them. And Rufus says, the last time Dan was this secretive, he showed up with a baby. And uh, so <laughs> Dan tells Rufus, don't worry, he's not about to become a grandfather, but Dan is about... Oh, no, Chuck says that D Dan's not about to become a grandfather, but Dan is about to give birth in another way. <laughs> like, <laughs> Chuck, no, Chuck just has a breath that he knows what this is about. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I would obviously have so many questions. Like, why does Chuck know about whatever this is? Why is he saying that Dan's about to give birth? Like, what is he talking about? <laughs> no, why I think they just, just tell like me what the else. fuck you mean, Chuck. They no, no. You. <laughs> they know Chuck by now. That's how he rolls. I think Chuck is like, already That's starting true. to like having Dan as a, like a, a half friend right now, especially knowing how like, yeah, his whole storyline is like about how lonely he is. I think he yeah. takes pride not only in just knowing this, but he's like, well, me and Dan, we go way back, wait. I know all yeah, about this. Boys, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Chuck's the lonely boy now. Um, yeah. Serena walks in. She says she's pretty sure this is how every murder mystery begins, which uh, led me to wonder how amazing this cast would be in a Knives Out movie. Like, make it happen, yeah, Ryan Johnson. Yeah, no, I love that. So the cast of the next Knives Out movie, I think this is... Uh, I think this is it's just the, the cast happen. of Gossip Girl. That'd be incredible. That'd be amazing. But, but the, the cast movie of is just Knives Out 3. With, with it, like, at least... Leighton Meester. You know what I mean? Like, come on. Leighton would, would be tailor-made yeah, sure, right. for a fucking oh, Nigel sure. movie. Perfect. She'd perfect for it. Make it happen immediately. I think we're, I think we're ready. Um, Charlie asks Serena how her job is, and Serena says it's great. Uh, Blair uses this as an opportunity to complain about Serena never having time for her. She misses her. And Serena uh, calls out that Blair's asleep every time she comes home. She's like, listen, Blair, we can't cuddle with each other if you're already sleeping. But, you and your uh, big Blair tits are already sleeping, Blair. <laughs> so... Nate asks Serena if she happens to know a girl named Ivy, and Ivy's ears obviously perk up, and she gets very uneasy. You know, I, I'm loving this scene. We, as we all know, my favorite Gossip Girl scenes are the rare ones where everyone is in the same room together and, like, yeah, really yeah. bouncing off of each other like this. Yeah. And Nate tells Serena that he found Ivy's cell and doesn't know who she is, but he noticed that Serena's number was in her phone book. So he thought maybe that she could get a hold of her. And uh, Serena's like, oh, what's the number? I can dial it. And so... Luckily for Charlie, or Charlie slash Ivy, Dan walks in at that very moment, so Serena doesn't get to make the call. <laughs> I would tell uh, you know, he, she got very yeah, he does this whole, I'm, sh I'm sure you're wondering why I've gathered you all here today. And uh, every single character at, takes a turn asking Dan what's going on, and Chuck caps it off by saying, this is going to be fun. Like, we get it, Chuck. You know what's happening. Like, okay, <laughs> you and Dan are best friends. We get it. Mm. You know what's happening. Um, so Dan brings up the book going around by the anonymous author, and Dan's like, yeah, Gossip Girl said it was about us. And Blair says it was probably written by some loser who doesn't even know them, obviously forgetting that Dan is writing a book. And then Dan reveals that he is that loser, and he wrote it, and it is sort of based on them. And again, Blair looks shocked, even though she knew that Dan had a chapter of this very book going around that was about her. I don't understand how these characters have such short memories. I I don't know. And, and then later on, like she kind of talks about it again, so I'm confused. They, they, they really, the continuity here is just... A little bit bothersome. She was surprised by the by the speed of the publishing industry. You know, <laughs> there's a hot manuscript. They can really get it off the presses in a matter of uh, days, seemingly. You know, seemingly. and uh, whereas I think anyone who sold a manuscript knows, like, oh, 16 months from now, my book will come out. Um, can I like pose a theory to the yeah, lonely boys that I had Absolutely. while watching this episode? Do we think? That, like, when they were making season five of Gossip Girl, they thought it was the last season of Gossip Girl. Because, like, these plot lines of Dan publishes a book that is the plot events of the show Gossip Girl. <laughs> and Blair 
off to become a princess <laughs> is like such series finale energy yeah is such like true. this is the end of the show type of plot line right. and i guess it's not that far from the end of the show but i don't it feels like they thought they were getting canceled tomorrow that is fair <laughs> especially like from my point of view not having seen the rest of it i don't want to see blair for an entire season with a baby so i right. I, I would hope uh, I have not seen not part this far into Gossip Girl. I just feel like no way that baby's coming out. I, I don't know. know. Something's it's I it's know. a fake pregnancy or something. No I just way. I can see that baby I'm, coming I'm out. I'm very baby no skeptical way. as well. A light of day if I have anything to do, I'll take care of that baby. <laughs> <laughs> just so, runs into the penthouse yeah. with a hanger. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Okay. So, um, yeah, I will agree. Very, very series finale. Very last season. I mean, it is possible, especially since the the last season is the one after this, and it is a shortened season. Um, so I don't know how many more episodes they thought they were getting, but yeah, it, it does. At the very least, they they are running out of things to do. Like this might have just been like hail marys to like they they are at the point where they are throwing everything at yeah. the wall. Oh, Blair becomes a princess. Let's let's just go with it. And when you're getting um, like so, this meta with it, it's like okay. Yes, we met all the meta stuff. We usually save that for end of series runs. So yeah. or the very beginning. Um, yeah, we we get another scene that's an excerpt from the book. Uh, some guy comes up to Nate's room, and Nate tells him he thought that he was waiting downstairs. And the guy's like, "I'm tired of waiting. When are we going to tell everyone what's going on between us?" And Nate promises that he'll tell them soon, but he doesn't want to wait anymore. It's time that everyone knew about them, and he leans in to kiss Nate. And I thought this show was finally going to give the people what they wanted, but for <laughs> some reason, we. Cut back to reality before we see the kiss. I what mean, the fuck? I Gossip mean, that's Girl? already better than anything Nate's done in a while. Let's get back to that. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, as is the point <laughs> that I think they are calling out. Maybe. Like, we don't have anything for Nate. We have to conflate his character with Eric. It's honestly like having sex with Elizabeth Hurley in like an alley and then being <laughs> totally chill with like being made gay in your friend's book. Like this is the most I've ever liked Nate. Nate is on a roll it's, right now and I'm I'm all for it. Yeah, he's he's coming on strong. Uh, we're back in reality, and Lily reads this uh, gay Nate scene and starts giggling uncontrollably <laughs> at the scene she's reading. Like, apparently, it's Nate gay is really a laugh riot. To yeah, her. <laughs> she was getting turned on, I think, a little bit. I, I know when she laughs, she's horny. Yeah, of course. Something I know about her. <laughs> Nate asks what's so funny, and Lily thinks she, he should ask Dan. And Dan somehow knows exactly what Lily is referring to. Uh, he explains that he made, of Nate, made Nate's character a little, and Chuck's like, gay. He finishes the sentence and uh, has Chuck read this entire book already? He is so all knowing about this entire book. He loves it. Book. He loves his best friend's book. <laughs> He's read this book like fifty times already. <laughs> Anytime anyone references anything, like he is so quick with like what pages on. He's like, I would have thought you loved your character on page eighty three when you say this. Like <laughs> Chuck, how do you know this book? So He's well? got like book club discussion points at the back of the book. You know, like He's He's on just boards. He's, yes, He's, yeah. he got an advanced copy and he went to town. So. The others laugh a little. Dan hopes that Nate is okay with this. And uh, uh, he tells Chuck to stop enjoying it so much. And, and Chuck's like, you wanted me to feel something. That's a feeling. Which, okay. <laughs> that That's great. And so Nate asks if he has game. And Chuck's like, oh, definitely. Again, how many times has Chuck read this book that he is so familiar with? It? <laughs> He's like, oh, yes. I've read I've read the scenes that you have games in many times. Um, Nate, Nate's happy he has games. So he's cool with it. Uh, very unproblematic King Nate Archibald here. Uh, not not being offended. It's so funny. He's like, I just care that I'm fucking. It doesn't matter who. Right. It doesn't matter what. <laughs> It doesn't matter how old. So yeah, that's right. 
how many Dan Austin Powers it, movies they've been in. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it never matters. Uh, Dan knows it's going to be weird for them to read characters inspired by themselves, but he wants to make it clear that this is fiction. And after they all read it, he hopes they will come to the book party tonight where the publisher is announcing that Dan himself is the author. So uh, they should they should this should be a fun day for everyone. Uh, obviously, everyone will be pretty understanding and not get mad at Dan, of course. And yeah. Nate's like, of course we'll all be there. But Dan's like, listen, read it first, and then uh, and, and then make your decision because uh, you know I didn't have time to make all the changes I wanted, so the book's not exactly how I wanted it. And we're uh, just so proud of Dan; he's going to cancel his day with panic, so he can really wow. savor this book. Yeah, I mean, there's no version of this episode where everyone just reads it and is like, this is great, and they show up and take the nice picture, <laughs> and then that's the end. <laughs> What an episode that what would an be. Episode. <laughs> so yeah, obviously looking at the runtime, we know that can't be that, that <laughs> yep, can't be yep. what's happening. I haven't so. had runtime watched in a while. Um Blair asks Serena if she wants to grab a cup of decaf, but Serena has to get back to work. Uh so Blair suggests after work, which is fair, but Serena's like, if this is about the book, don't worry. Everyone loves a villain. Very dismissive of poor Blair who just wants to talk to her to tell her that she's pregnant. And Dan to, Dan says there isn't a, a villain, and Blair's like, oh, I know who won't be the villain. And Serena is definitely feeling full of herself as she thinks she knows how she will be portrayed. She's like, oh, everyone needs to be knocked off their pedestal a little as she's like giggling to herself and <laughs> and leaving. And so obviously Serena thinks uh, she's going to be presented well in this book since Dan was uh, in love with her for most of his life. Um, it's a very funny episode. And then very Sabrina behavior. Yeah, the whole episode Sabrina is Sabrina behavior. Like, and it's so funny how she gets called out. She's got to call it out, yeah. No, no, what are you talking about? And then like, her calling out is also like Sabrina behavior in itself. <laughs> it's very funny. It's really good. Like, there are some things of this episode that make absolutely no sense and are you know continu- with the continuity it's terrible but there are some things that like are done very well like these people actually being their characters right, that the Dan, Dan, Dan portray them at. yeah uh so it's a very interesting episode to say the least um yeah Dan claims or, or Dan reminds Blair of the story that Louie killed and confirms that it is in the book and Blair wants to say in the dark about how nastily Dan portrayed her so Dan's like yeah yeah great idea don't read it you know we're friends again why ruin a good thing and uh, we just had this with the OC recently, but I did mention how I love when the show gets meta, and I, I guess one of the characters writing a book about the characters in the show is as meta as it gets. So definitely a very interesting uh, direction to take the show in. Yeah, I, I think that's what kept it so, so interesting. It, it was like a little messy the whole time, but I was curious to see how much more we would get out of what was actually in the books. I, I would love to just see see it and like read the book if, if it actually existed, just know how much of a side by side it was. So we're, I'm trying to I'm trying uh, to see throughout the episode to see how much of a complete parallel is yeah um charlie brings up that girl named ivy oh go on no i was just gonna say they really should have published this book it would have sold in in our world i think they really missed out on some sweet like capitalization book you know how the character castle from castle has written books in our world that you can buy i didn't know that uh like they really missed out not just publishing this book yeah, how like when uh, Barney Stinson wrote the Bro Code in real life, and you know, exactly. yeah, exactly, yeah, and the playbook, I believe he Barney Stinson, multiple, multiple, Barney Stinson multiple, books. multiple time author <laughs> in our universe, Barney Stinson. <laughs> so, uh, Charlie brings up that girl named Ivy to Nate and says uh, she met someone at the Jenny Packham show with that name, so she asks if she can help. And, like, I love it. This, this is why I always love Jenny Humphrey because she's so good at thinking on her feet. And Ivy, obviously, not going to be as good and is going to get caught this episode. But she, she is trying. She's she's yeah. trying to follow in our queen's footsteps. And every time we're like, how will she get out of this? You know, the legends of the Upper East Side are always able to come up with a plan on the spot. So that right. is what Ivy is doing right now. She's uh, walking but she's going to yes, she's going to need to get out of it again though by the end of the episode. So we'll we'll see how she's able to do that. 
yeah, it, she, she's still, definitely a little flustered still. She's still new to this world. Uh, she is good at it for a newcomer, but needs practice. Yeah. Um, Serena's back at work. The the assistant, or whoever he is, Sam, uh, is filling her in on what she missed, and he tells her that Nigel Kirsten called for her. Uh, he He's also, like, halfway through Inside already, uh, Sam is. Uh, the front cover of... Uh, the, the front cover of Dan Humphrey's book, Inside, is... Uh, the front cover of the first book of the Gossip Girl, Girl book series. Oh. So a little Easter egg there. Yeah. Um, they got an advanced copy of the book by some anonymous New York insider. and Everyone's in town is trying to figure out who it is. And Serena just ever so nonchalantly says, well, I know who it is. I used to date him. As she's like picking up her phone and not, not caring at all. Uh-huh. And this guy cannot believe it. He's like, shut up. You're Sabrina. You're Serena Vanderflutzen. Like, I can't believe it's you. No way. The dreamy blonde with the legs. And he's like giggling to himself like a weirdo. During this entire exchange, like the, the, the scene bef- between these two, he reads maybe like 150 pages. I don't know if he noticed this. <laughs> in this one scene. In this one yeah. scene. So he's, he's like very, got a quarter done, quick, and by yeah. the end of the conversation, he's like, yeah, I'm pretty much done now. <laughs> he's like, did you actually have cases of champagne delivered to your school? Which, you know, again, love a good callback. And Serena's like, it says that? It was a prank. But she confirms that it happens, and this guy thinks it is the funniest thing in the world for some reason. He can't stop laughing. Like, I guess it is a little funny to find out your coworker is the main character of a book you're reading, but he is funny. really it's, it's loving it. It's more this. just like interesting. Like, oh, wow, it's kind of yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah, yes. So this is the first of time of many. They were saying it's like, just keep reading. She matures as he gets to know her. And she's like rolling her eyes and smiling. She's so confident as to how this book ends. <laughs> Look how mature she is. She's working in, in, uh, for a movie or trying to. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a businesswoman. Yeah, does she think like, Dan is updating this book as they speak? <laughs> I'm sure the last page says that I'm working for producer Jane. I'm sure I, everything ends up okay. I'm sure he added that part where I, I talked to Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> he wrote in hand rose. at the end of each book, personally. <laughs> so... On the phone, Serena finds out that uh, Daniel Day-Lewis responded to her letter about the Blue Rose, and uh, she's over the moon. She needs to tell Jane. And, and her, Sam book. is like, well, Dylan Hunter did say that everything comes easy for you. And Serena's like, also very true. keep reading, keep reading. And it's like, I'm almost through. It, yeah, everything <laughs> does come easy. Yeah. Like, look at what you're in. Like, this, is, this was handed to you, this entire life you have right now. Like, you're, <laughs> it's exactly true. Like, your, your professional career, even. Like, not, not even just, like, the rest of your life, which is also handed to you. Yeah, I mean, she got this job for no reason <laughs> because she read a book once and uh, she was, she was, a creepy yeah. director thought she was pretty. She was sitting reading a book by the water, and here she is. Yeah, Cut and because like an actual sex criminal thought she was pretty, you know what I mean? Like a real life <laughs> horrible pervert man is just like, oh, we need to hire this one. I right. understand talking to a beautiful lady, and she read the book, so welcome aboard. <laughs> yeah, Serena did Jane. not look up, like, what happened to Lily Tomlin on the set of I Heart Huckabees, you know? She <laughs> no, didn't she, look she it didn't up. Look in, she didn't look into that. I so. started reading a very popular clip. <laughs> I used to read books by the water, too, because perverts also think I'm very pretty. Famous oh, thing You could get me. a job. I'd, I'd yeah. start just reading. Um, Blair goes to talk to Louie. She's uh, discussing possible baby names, and <laughs> we see that Louie has Gossip Girl pulled up on his computer, and Louie's just like, how about Charles? It's a name that seems so special significance to you. <laughs> and uh, the, <laughs> the groan I let out when I when he uh, said that, like, it was audible. I was sitting by myself in the living room, and I just went, uh, uh like, <laughs> come on. Even, like, even before so I, I, he started speaking, and he was just making that stupid Louie face, and you see that Gossip Girl <laughs> open up on his laptop, I'm like, oh, here we go. Here we fucking go. With this. Here he we needs go. to go back to his country. I'm sick of Louis. Get him out of <laughs> That's here. That's something that Kevin says a lot, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Uh, Louis tells Blair he knows she was with Chuck and asks if that's what she needed to ch- who he need- she needed to share the news with. And Blair's like, no, it was Serena, but I didn't even get the chance to because Dan gathered every- everyone together to talk about his novel. And Louis is concerned with how Blair will be portrayed. And she's like, listen, it's going to be bad. I was fucking terrible to him in high school. Like, she's sure he's going to be brutal. She's like, he- he's calling this a novel, but I, I know just how little imagination he really has, mm-hmm. which is an effortless burn from Blair. She is... He's not. She's not even like trying to. Right. He's nowhere. It's to be like seen. A, it's like a lily burn. Like she's not even trying to tear him down. She's just like, yeah, no, I know he has no imagination. So right. this isn't a novel. It's a it's a memoir masquerading as fiction. And she's exactly right about that. She's like, kind of joking, but not really. And then she's she's spot on. You said it yourself. Dan has no direct. imagination. Yeah. So uh, Louis asks if she's going to be ready and she's like, she's not. And, uh, you know, no matter what's in there, it's in the past. But so Louis seems satisfied with that answer. Blair's going to lie down because the baby's making her tired. And uh, that's that. So we, we Louis reads Gossip Girl, sees the, the terrible picture of her and Chuck, gets mad for three seconds and then gets over it. And uh, that's going to happen throughout the episode, I guess. He's just going to keep getting mad. I still know like what, he, what he – exactly. I mean, that's what, kind of where everyone ends up to. What does he think is happening in this – picture or like what, what does it make him think is going on in general that they go out like and dance with monkey <laughs> once a day like okay yeah they walk the dog together they, <laughs> they probably dance make the out a little bit <laughs> sorry squirrels um, charlie and nate are in nate's office they're looking at, through photos to see if charlie can spot the woman that she met but they're of course having no luck and diana wants to step in and have a word with her only employee um so Diana's pissed. She asks, she's like, who is that? Who the hell is, who, who the hell is she in the office? Like, I feel like this 50 year old is jealous of this teenager. That's what I thought immediately too. I was like, that's, this is really embarrassing, embarrassing for her. But I think it's more just that, <laughs> hey, hey, we're running a shady business here. We can't just like be letting anyone in here. We're, we're trying to be super shady. <laughs> Let me remind you. Like, I know you're my only employee, uh, but you there's can't just bring in right people now. into this office. I know there's room for her. There's no one else here, but right. you know, <laughs> maybe run this by me. Right. I think that's more what it is. I don't think it's the jealousy yet. Maybe we'll see more of it. I hope not. Nate's like, this isn't just anyone. She's Charlie Rhodes, Serena's cousin. And she said she met a woman named Ivy. Uh, Diana doesn't give a shit who she is. He can't be showing strangers their photos, and uh, Nate should know better. So as Diana is chewing out Nate, Charlie, like, swipes the phone on the desk. And uh, ironically, as she's doing that, Nate promises that she's trustworthy. And uh, again, Diana doesn't give a shit. She just wants Nate to get rid of her. Uh, So Charlie comes in, apologizes for not being more help. And uh, she tells Diana it was really nice to meet her. Uh, She's heard so much, and and she leaves. So uh, successful work by Charlie. No, the, no. The, you, the phone's there, and then one person shows up to this office of two people, and then it's gone. And then it's gone. Right, not really thinking ahead very, much, very well. <laughs> Who could have taken it? I don't know. The, uh, the one other person that's been in this office. Fell out the window. I don't know. Um, Dan's at the Empire. He's just hanging out with his good buddy Chuck. Like how far they've come. Look at look, look at these two. Who would have thought? I, I guess um, it makes sense too, because right now he knows that Chuck's the only one that has read this book ten times through, <laughs> and, he's, he's, and he still wants to talk to least, Dan. So he's like, least. all right, I'm, I'm safe here. <laughs> It's true. Um, Dan thanks Chuck for like letting him hang out here, and Chuck says he's enjoying watching him squirm. He even offers Dan a scotch, and uh, Dan is confused because it's two p.m. So Chuck offers him a Valium instead. Was that was this your joke of the episode? Uh, no, I do have one though. Oh, good! I can't yeah, wait. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Dan says he's guessing that his dad is <laughs> actually. I, I take it back because this is my joke of the episode. Uh, Dan says he's guessing that his dad is about halfway through the book, and that yeah. Nate is probably still on page twenty. Which that is, that is a lonely boy's just joke. An just an unnecessary shot from Dan about how Nate can't read. Owned. 
owned. It's so good. It's so... <laughs> Dan is worried that they're upset with him. Uh, although Alessandra said the book wasn't even that scathing. So Dan, Dan hopes he, that they can see that he's harshest on himself, which uh, they will not be able to see that because they no. only read the parts with it, them in it. The they, amount of times he, ple- he pleads that is like, he's, he definitely does it a few times and no one's like no one's listened to him at, at all about the what, what's his character's name? Dylan Hunter. Dylan Hunter. No, no one wants to hear anything about Dylan Hunter. They, they all only read their own parts. parts <laughs> they, some, they somehow skip through. They I don't. Like, yeah, I don't know. How, they, they just look for your name and stuff around it. copy of the novel. Like, how did they? How did <laughs> they all no just idea. skimming the no. book? Sabrina, they Sabrina, just Sabrina, skimmed, Sabrina. like Sabrina, 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 Sabrina. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's incredible. It's honestly such. It's so funny that they're both like, yeah, I didn't read the rest of the book. <laughs> I just read the parts with me in it. <laughs> I don't need I don't need context. I just want to read the parts that I'm in. So, uh, uh, Chuck tells Dan. Also, to wait, stop wait, 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 quick, like, what did he, he expect though? Because he gave them an entire novel to read within a few hours before they came to a party that night. So, I mean, they they yeah, have to I mean, see him too. I'm just guessing this this print is like spaced out. You know what I, I mean? <laughs> I think this is one of those books you open up and like you're YA like, space. oh, they're really stretching the page count here. There's yeah. a lot of margins in this book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something tells me it's it's not that hard to get through. Yeah. Um, Chuck tells Dan to stop whining. He's hardly the first person to get famous using the world around him. He says that even your dad had a hit song singing about Lily. And Dan's like, yeah, but this book isn't a love song. So Dan's confused why Chuck isn't mad at him. Uh, his character dies accidentally, but it's not a happy ending. Um, do you think that since Dan's book is based on life, that maybe it will also predict future events? Is, is Chuck going to die by... Uh, Apparently hanging himself by a scarf is that what is that what happened in this book? I think he hung himself with oh, something no. else. But no, he hung himself with a belt. He said he yeah. he said he would hang himself with a scarf. Yeah, that's what right. he says. He a chatouche scarf. <laughs> that's got to be a hell of a scarf to be able to like <laughs> hold human. That's, that's the kind of scarf that's that, well that Chuck buys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I am. Uh, I'm loving this scene. I'm loving this duo. I love their back and forth. I love that Chuck is like understanding about Dan's book and and not mad at all. Yeah. But well, no, I, makes, I, I don't think sense. that he will kill himself and... with the, by hanging from a scarf. <laughs> All right. Well, it's well, clear that he's thought about it. That also seems has, to be like the only thing that scarf. Dan changed in everyone's plotline is like, is how they end. Like I don't. He didn't fuck Blair. Chuck didn't die. I don't right. know the other the, the other plots, but maybe, maybe, maybe Serena's smart by the end of hers. <laughs> So Chuck tells Dan that an artist must stand alone to observe the crowd. And Dan's like, oh, weird. Vanessa said the same thing. I wonder how Vanessa's feeling about all this now that uh, there's a name attached to it. I, She's I, loving it. I don't, I don't want to know. I, I don't want to see Vanessa, obviously, but no, no, no. Uh, I, I am a little curious. Um, I mean, Dan sort of told her so. He didn't want this and for this reason. He saw all this coming. It's, right. not, it's not like the, exactly. the, the story is not about Dan got this book published, was worried, like, oh, you know what? It's going to be great. And then like he gets his comeuppance. This is exactly what he didn't want. Right, Dan should not be uh, confused at the end about why people are mad at him. Uh, there's a reason he did not want this book published. Yeah. So, everyone is RZPing. They're going to come to uh, Dan's party tonight. Uh, Louis is doing his best Rufus impression, it seems. He's just sitting on a couch alone and staring at the wall in front of him. <laughs> and Blair comes down and has to be sitting by himself. And he says he was waiting for her to wake up before he told her the bad news. Um before we get to the bad news, Louis couldn't do anything while he waited. Does he not have a TV? Like, wh- why was he just staring at the wall? No, he just got to stare. No hobbies. Guess just so. stare. I, he was practicing his pout. Concerned. His pout is like, I don't know. I think it's good because it's making me angry. Oui, oui. Oui, oui, Louis. I, I cannot. My, my family is not coming. There's a huge storm. <laughs> um, so he tells Blair his family can't make it. Terrible storm. Delayed the trip. And uh, Blair says, all right, we'll just wait till tomorrow. And he's like, and she asks what they should, what they should do tonight instead. And... Uh, Louis has got a pout. He's like, listen, I've got work to catch up on. You go to Dan's book party because I'm sure Dan would love to see you. Uh, what does Louis do for a living? Like, I, I know he's a prince, but like when he's over in 
the states <laughs> how could he work on being a, like what do you do i don't understand he has no all idea. the time in the world to read books he clearly <laughs> yeah, read right. the book like, and, yeah. and, and as soon as soon as louis leaves blair tells dorota that he just lied about his family and dorota asks how she knew knows and blair of course checked the weather so she could prepare her outfits and it is clear from monaco to manhattan mm. um I guess Louis shouldn't have used an excuse that was so easily fact-checkable, but um, maybe he doesn't care. Also weird that and... she checks the weather in France <laughs> every time she checks the weather. <laughs> yeah, for her outfit tonight. Like, I don't know why she check his, checks the weather around the world to, to see what outfit she's wearing. You got I mean... know where, the, where the high-pressure systems are going, where yeah, the low-pressure yeah. systems are going. You know, Blair just has, see, like, this, all this is Blair Waldo. Meteorology. Yeah, Blair just has all this meteorology equipment set up. She's got, like, radars. <laughs> she... You know, the weather balloon. You forget who you're dealing with, yeah. and it's Blair Waldorf, okay? Of course she checks the international weather before she wears suede pumps. So there is like, oh, maybe this is something to do with the Lonely Boy book that Louis was reading uh, while you were sleeping, because uh, he didn't look happy. So, like, they agreed not to read the book. Louis waited two minutes for Blair to fall asleep before completely going back on what they agreed on. B bad look for my guy, Louis. Yeah, I, I mean, I was already sick of him before this episode, and he really, really went in the toilet for me. He j all he does is pout and then say sorry and then tell her he loves her in a stupid accent oh like it's all episode it's so it's exhausting yeah um the rsvps are rolling in alessandra could not be more excited uh the literary world is saying yes to anonymous and dan hopes they're uh, still interested when they find out that it's him um alessandra knows they'll be they will they will be and uh they'll be dying to know who he based the characters on so this is when she suggests getting a picture of him with all of his friends tonight that way people can play the guessing game of who's who and again based on how dan named the characters it doesn't take someone much brighter than uh than nate archibald to figure out who is who right uh, but, but you get the picture it's like here they are that's them yeah when blair slammed his imagination earlier like looking at the names like she's completely right <laughs> yeah i don't know what i don't know what this lady thinks of course you want to get this picture so, though it's, it's it's a good picture to have just like this is this is pretty cool. Like this is where all the, the right. bases came from. And uh, Dan's like, well, not everyone's coming. Blair's not coming. And Elsner's like, no, she actually just RSVP'd. Uh, no plus one either. And Dan gets a text from Blair yelling at him to meet her at her apartment now. So uh, Blair is not happy with Dan for some reason. I, I know you you've told me a million times how bad season five can get, but I'm so glad it's still in a place where these text messages exist. There was so much of the show where this would never <laughs> happen in a million years. He would never get a text from Blair, even if she'd met him, just to like meet with her alone. Right. People don't use texting in this show usually, but so it is, it is nice that, that texting does exist. He might have gotten charged like 10 cents for it uh, back in the day, but yeah. no, I, I guess not. I, I guess those, those days right, are right. over. But I mean, just, just, it's just the fact that like, they're, in, they're this close still. It's sweet. Yeah, yeah. I, I, do, I do love it. You're right. You're you're loving the friendship. Uh, yeah, I still I wish that the um, what happened in the book was true though. Oh, I mean, maybe he's predicting the future. Yeah. I, I don't want her to like raise a baby with Dan at this point. Like, where we how far we've come from everything. I don't want them to be together anymore. Unless again, it's like a a fake baby, like we were saying. I still would ship her and Dan, but as of now, I'm okay with just that. I'm lucky to have them interacting at all. Now, when you say fake baby, do you think Blair's going to give birth and is going to be like a doll? Like, yeah, what do you mean uh, yeah, by exactly. a fake baby? CPR, CPR <laughs> doll. It's going to be a puff of air. Yeah, <laughs> it's, just, it's just gas. <laughs> I think like a hysterical pregnancy perhaps is possible. Unless, <laughs> unless we forget, Dan has already raised a baby. You know, Dan, Dan's been through this dance. You know, he's raised a baby to like six months old and then gotten rid of it. <laughs> right, right of which it. is the, the dream of any parent, right? It was just <laughs> like, you get the best years. 
You lay the eraser the for a little one. while, then you hand it off to Michelle Trachtenberg. You know, it's. it's I, I have, to. by the way, I've it's gone. The the I've gone to the dream. hospital uh, for gas before. I I thought I was like my appendix was bursting, and after like two hours at the hospital, they found they like, can you just put your knees to your chest real quick, and then just fucking fully ripped a fart. <laughs> rip ass. Can you just the medical term for this is rip ass. <laughs> rip oh, ass into this cup. Yeah. I just I'm doctor today. I'm just gonna need you to rip some ass real quick <laughs> while we're fully blew off the doctor's toupee. <laughs> I haven't seen an ass ripping like that in years. You, you felt thirty years younger after that, I bet. <laughs> Most people think they need surgery to get their appendix removed. You just got to rip some ass. <laughs> and that's the lesson of the pod, really. <laughs> so Serena's back at work. Apparently everyone is talking about the book and Serena's character in it. Uh, her little work buddy told people that she is Sabrina. He hopes that's not a problem. Serena is still oblivious to how she comes off in the book and is actually looking flattered by it all. She's like, no, of course I don't mind. I'm so honored to play such a big part in Dan's book. And Serena tells him that she and Dan have been close for a long time. And he just straight up says to Serena's face, Ugh, he must have been a saint to put up with you for so long. Which is, is very bold. So rude. But yeah. <laughs> your um, coworker. You can't say that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I sort of I understand how Serena feels a little bit here because knowing how Dan has been this whole series, he's been so obsessed with her. So I could see her in her mind without reading it. This book is just like a whole love letter to Serena, not like an exact replica of what happened. Um, because otherwise, yeah, maybe she it, it should just read be like it. a fan. Yeah, she should read it. If she hasn't read it, yeah. I understand where she's coming from, but. Every, every, she was told to read it before she shows up. Yeah, tonight. she was. So, um, they get a call, and Nigel unceremoniously tells them that they have to postpone the meeting, and he immediately takes another call. And the assistant's like, "Ooh, this might have to do with you being in Dan's book." And I'm sorry, but that's that's insane. Like, we we think that Daniel Day Lewis or his manager read an advance copy of this new book, and then like figured out that the character is based on Serena, and is now opting out of the movie because that supposed character that she's based on doesn't come off well. Like, uh, I mean, I get that it's possible, but a lot of things had to happen for this to for right. Daniel Day Lewis to pull out now because it, 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 uh, he doesn't like the character Sabrina. It only happens so that Serena has a reason to say, this could get in the way of my career, Jan. It's just for that yeah. line alone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I exactly. think it's so funny, and there should have been more of that in the episode. Like, the newspaper stand guy won't, like, look at her because he knows about the bug. <laughs> and, like, the elevator, you know, the doorman oh, yeah. at the apartment is like, oh, no. You know, like, I think that should have been a If it was a smaller cast, I think that would happen. news about her. Yeah, I think it should have been. The, have been the justification that Sam uses is that DDL is notoriously anti-Sceny, which, what? Like, it's like, ah, it's yeah. It's too yeah. true. So, uh, Jane gets filled in on, on the new book and Serena's part in it, and Sabrina is a totally shallow, self-obsessed party girl, and yes, he finished it. So the real question is, why hasn't Serena read the book yet? Why was she really just going to not read it and assume that she comes off great? Like, yes, why wouldn't exactly she read it just do. to, like, why wouldn't she read it just to support Dan? Uh, she's, so bu- she's so busy as a working professional. He gave everyone an advanced copy so they could read the book. She doesn't have time. Too busy. Too wow. Well, Nate has an excuse. So <laughs> Nigel comes back on the phone and says they're going to be passing on the movie after all. Sorry, Sabrina. And the assistant's like, did he say Sabrina? <laughs> I hate this guy. <laughs> Nate comes back to the Empire. Uh, Chuck jokes by asking if Nate spent extra time on his hair today. But uh, ally Nate Archibald says that he still doesn't mind that Dan made him gay. And now Chuck's actually a little offended that Dan didn't make him gay. Um, so uh, Chuck tells Nate that he thought he'd be... Uh, more Chuck, 
right. So Chuck tells Nate, he's like, I thought you'd be more annoyed being conflated with Eric. And this is the first Nate is hearing of this because, of course, he has not read the book because, of course, he <laughs> cannot read. Um, and it's like, what do you mean by conflated? Because Nate also does not that, know that's what exactly, that word means. I thought that was supposed to be like he wanted more out of Chuck and then he realized, oh, wait, he just doesn't know what the definition of that word is. That's actually why he's asking. What's what's conflated? And so Chuck explains that uh, Nate's character is two years younger than everyone else. He's best friends with the narrator's little sister, Frankie. And in fact, the only thing I think you share is lacrosse and a good political pedigree. Because remember, Nate is very into lacrosse, apparently. So yes. that, that's one of his main characteristics. And then Nate asks what his character's name is. And he didn't even get that far to read his character's name. And Chuck just tells him, Derek. It seems like this is actually just Eric's character with some Nate sprinkled in, and, and Nate doesn't really get a character, which I would also be pissed at. I mean, that book. <laughs> well, I, I think of who's more interesting. Eric. Eric is more interesting than, oh, for than sure. so. I, I sort of understand putting them together, but I, I, I also sort of get Nate is Dan's best friend. So I, I, I don't really understand being extremely mad at it, but I, I, everyone else does seem to have full roles. Put me in the book. That's what I'd be saying. Put me in the book, Coach. Yeah, it's just the funny thing about Nate is he is fine with literally any depiction of himself. He just he wants just, to just be wants in the book. Yes. You, he, you could have him kill someone and be like, well, I'm in the book. Look at me. Hey, you know, don't, don't make me split time with care. a side character. I'm a murderer. Do I have game? All right, fine. <laughs> Dude, yeah, he, he only cares that he's in the book and that he fucks. If that's it, if those two criteria are met, he is satisfied. It just needs, I mean, Dan just needs to write an epilogue that said, oh yeah, I forgot. I had another friend named Nate and he fucked everyone. <laughs> he'd be like, all right. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dan comes to Blair's and right away I feel like this is another book excerpt because it seems a little off the colors different a little bit and Blair can't believe that Dan told everyone about their little secret but only Blair wanted it to be kept secret not Dan uh, Blair doesn't want her life and future screwed up because of this and she tells Dan that there is nothing between them not then not now Dan doesn't believe her and they start kissing and then the Gossip Girl voiceover asks if we can believe that Blair and Lonely Boy doing the deed. So I guess, uh, Dan, this is when we find out that Dan does, in fact, say that they did it in the book. In the book. And only in the book. In the book. It's never, still not in, confirmed in that book, it ever, this ever happened. The whole book and nothing but the book. Nothing but the book. Yes. And so if and, this did happen, though, this would have been before Louis was involved, correct? Yeah, it would have had to have been, right? Right. So another reason for him not to yeah, be Yeah, Louis's so still going to get mad at it. Yeah. No, yeah, exactly. Yes. If you're saying Louis should not be mad, then yes, I agree. Yep. Okay, good. Okay. Okay, great. Uh, and it probably didn't happen also event. on top of that, so. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, Alessandra asks Dan why he's here. He's supposed to be late. So she hides Dan in, in the back study so they can have this big reveal and he's going to sign books while he waits and not to come out until she tells him to. So we're going to go back into the book world and Sabrina is at work and a guy just barges in and bumps into her for no reason. And he apologizes, but Sabrina says it was her fault and uh, it's on her. Uh, she, she wishes she could say it was drinks with him, uh, but it's a family thing. That that's, uh, that are, That is her plans. Um, <clears throat> so a random guy who is in her building now, asks her what sounds like more fun, her family or a dirty martini with a stranger. And Sabrina agrees that a martini or two could be nice. Now, Serena can get mad all she wants, but this is her to a T. She drops everything at the drop of a hat for any random guy she happens to meet, and yeah. I'm happy Dan's calling her out on it in his yeah. book. Remember the cab guy that turned out to be her yes. professor? <laughs> Yes, everyone like it's and we see Serena reading the book and she's pissed. She's like flighty, irresponsible again. Pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nailed. Absolutely nailed. Uh, Sabrina, the thing about this sequence for me is that like 
In this instance, Dan is <laughs> prophetic. He like predicts this incident like Abed yes. when he makes school films about the study group, right? It's like right. he's, oh, so, no. he's a fortune teller. So maybe Dan right. hasn't so fucked Blair yet. He will. Yeah. And Charlie is Charlie Trout is gonna die. Chuck Chuck might die. Yes. And Nate's gonna be gay. Because as, as <laughs> Nate is going to conflate himself with Eric. And uh, Rufus, and Rufus is going to be a fool. Dan, these are the destiny diaries. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what he foretold will come to be. And, and as you said, as she closes the book, the same guy that we saw in the book sequence also bumps into Serena in real life. And he apologizes and Serena just goes, yes, you are. Which, okay, maybe this is growth then. Maybe, maybe this is what she needs to, yeah. to not just automatically have martinis with this man. <laughs> Yeah, in reality, this is just supposed to be like a funny gag and just prove that yeah. Serena is uh, a very simple person. I, I love that scene because it is is so hurt as such a t like yeah. she meets a man and just immediately starts dropping everything to drink a martini with him. It's perfect. Yeah. Um, at the party, Nate has decided not to come out, and out of all the reasons not to show up, uh, Nate's is pretty much that his ego just can't handle him not being in the book. So, uh, at the party, it is just Rufus, Lily, and Chuck right now, and Alessandra introduces herself to them, and then introduces them to our cameo of the week, Sloane Crosby, who is in search of cake. All right, then. And then she, these cameos are so <laughs> ridiculous because they give them nothing. It's just like, and here's a name, and here's something that they did, and now they're going to say, all right, bye. Like, literally, they, she gets introduced and then says, I'm, I still haven't found cake. See you later. And, and we her line her is I, like a joke about the thing that she does. <laughs> yes, it's so <laughs> <That sucks>. dumb. <laughs> it's really bad. So... Alessandra assures them that Dan will be out soon, but she first has to introduce herself to Charlie Trout. She's been dying to meet him. Um, isn't it a little insulting to be like calling people by their fake book names and not their real names? I guess a little bit, but I think and then just saying like it. the worst traits of your book character back to you, <laughs> right? Isn't it so sad that you die alone and nobody <laughs> loves you? Oh, God, I'm surprised that you don't care that, you, that, that your character is so bad and, and how it reflects on yourself. Like, why is she doing this? Maybe, maybe Alessandra's like a sociopath. Maybe she's evil. Maybe she's trying to make these people yeah, feel Yeah, that's what, almost what it seems like. Because there's that part where he said, oh, well, in real life, that would never would happen. My workers would have found me. She's like, oh, no family, no friends. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> like, oh, my God. She, she, You're talking about his real goes, life that makes it even. She goes, that makes it even worse. And like, what is she trying to do here? <laughs> that's what it, she, she just she gives, says, him, gives him a scarf. Like, what the hell? <laughs> I was worried you wouldn't show up because uh, your character's story is so tragic even before he dies. And the way it happens, all I could think was how long you must have been hanging there before anybody found you. And then that's when she's like, not even family or friends. That makes it even worse. And like, I guess it's enough to, to get just Chuck thinking at how depressing his life is again. Yeah. She's also assuming that everyone she talks to has read the book. I, I guess it's kind of fair at this event. But like, she expects him to know with extreme detail. Well, she's right about Charlie. Right about He's Chuck. read the book yeah. 50 times. Yeah. <laughs> so, Charlie. Gets, speaking of Charlie, this is <laughs> Charlie uh, Rhodes, and not not Charlie Trout. Ah. Uh, from one fake Charlie to another fake Charlie. Uh, it's it's Diana Payne calling her, and she's asking for Ivy Dickens. And Charlie falls for the oldest trick in the book. See, this is where she's not like Jenny. Jenny would not have fallen for this. Um, she's like, "Yep, speaking. It's me, Ivy." And before realizing that she's pretending to be someone else, uh, dumbass. And <laughs> Diana figured as much and tells her not to bother lying or hanging up. So, I mean, this is how Ivy gets figured out from Diana Payne of all people. I know. Diana Payne, who sounds like she uh, should be like a wrestler in AEW or something. <laughs> Diana Payne. Diana Payne. <laughs> I'd watch. Yeah, so. Diana Payne has a, has a title shot this Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Diana reminds Ivy that they met this morning when she was Charlie Rhodes and asked if she remembers her. So Ivy is on to Charlie, unfortunately, and 
in the meantime, Serena finds Chuck. She asks if he knows where Dan is, and she can't believe what he wrote about her. Again, there was a reason Dan didn't want everyone reading this. So um, they, they shouldn't be too surprised that they come off negatively. And this is when Chuck assures Serena that he knows from experience that everyone loves a villain. Uh, you know, a little meta there. And also funny because Serena told Blair the exact same thing. But now that she is the villain, she doesn't like it. Um, because she realized if that's true, then why is Chuck always alone? So... Uh, Blair joins the conversation, also asks Chuck where Dan is. Everybody knows that uh, Chuck is Dan's best friend now, so he probably is the right. one that knows where Dan is. <laughs> That's really funny. I can't find Chuck, but I, I, mean, I can't find Dan, but I, I found his best friend Chuck. Maybe he knows where he is. <laughs> this is a completely different show these days. It really is. I, mean, I love, again, like you mentioned at the beginning, so many scenes with everybody in the same room, or most of them at least. Yes. It's great. Yep. But, and, and, and they're very so, tight room at some Like We get everybody in here at the same time. I was feeling hot watching them in this small little <laughs> study room. <laughs> um, Blair and Serena both ask each other, did you see what Dan wrote about me? And uh, Chuck's just silently watching them freak out with a smile on his face. This is like the best version of Chuck. There, that's that's, that's it all. The that Ju uh, Chuck. Chuck has read this so many times and knows exactly how Blair's story ends. He's not worried at all. He's not <laughs> jealous. He just thinks it's amusing. No. Yeah, he just thinks it's funny because that's what it, it's a book. He's yeah. loving it. And so Serena did not see what Dan wrote about Blair because she didn't have time to read all of it. So Serena just read the parts about her. Again, don't know how she did this, but uh, Blair only also only read the parts about her. And uh, it, it's funny that Serena, who hates being portrayed as selfish and shallow, only <laughs> read the parts about herself in the book. Right. And at least it's Blair would admit that about herself. Like, yeah, of course, I only care about myself in this book. I'm going right. to read that. But Serena like, pretends to be uh, not that. Like, how dare he portray me as exactly that. what I am. Right. <laughs> so, uh, Dan calls Nate from the study. He asks Nate how the party is, but Nate tells him he decided not to come. And uh, guess where Nate is? Playing pool. That's right. He's at his pool table oh, playing with yeah. one of his pool balls. <laughs> if he's not out of the town, he you better believe he's playing pool by himself. <laughs> I mean, can you blame nope. Dan for not having much on the bone for Nate? Like, how, how many times can you write no. that he's playing pool? Yeah, sorry, Nate. Would you want me to write that you, you played eight ball tonight? All right, fine. I'll add a chapter. And <laughs> <laughs> we see Nate reading. And then Derek won eight ball and fucked again. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so uh, Nate tells Dan that he's pissed that his name is Derek. He can't believe that he's not important enough to merit his own character. And uh, Dan should be like, if we're being honest, I never thought you'd read the, you'd be able to read the book. But right. Nate, Nate is upset because he thought Dan was one of his best friends. And Dan, again, another thing Dan should say is that. Listen, this book is a takedown of all of the assholes in my life. You should be happy that you're not a part of That's it. That's what but he should have said. He just said, like, yeah. Right. But instead, he condescendingly explains that writers always condense characters for better dramatic effect. Hemingway did it. So, like, okay, that that's going to work with Nate. Nate's going to hear right. Hemingway did He's it. Gonna hear oh, that. Hemingway did it. Okay. All right, never mind. Hemingway did it. That's okay. Thank you. All right. See, see I'll, be, I'll be right there, Dan. Thanks. Hemingway did it. Right. It's all right. Hemingway did it. I don't know who I mean, he's talking to. I think. <laughs> Someone that Nate has definitely heard of, Ernest Hemingway. Yes. He knows all, all about him. I, I think no matter what, though, <laughs> no matter what Dan said to Nate, he was, he was in his own head and was not going to hear it. Yeah. And so Serena and Blair barge in, and Blair starts yelling at Dan to explain. Uh, Dan tells Nate he has to go, and Nate's just like, oh, yeah, because Serena and Blair are so important, which is why they got their own characters. Uh, got him. So <laughs> Blair and Serena are also furious. Serena's like, I can lose my job over this, which still makes no sense. And Blair says that she could lose her fiancé, which... Let's go back to Serena. How is Serena losing her job over this? If anything, just deny that it's you. Just be like, no, I'm not Sabrina. Like you, you, you cannot, right. you cannot fire me because someone wrote a book and made a character named Sabrina. I'm sorry, right, that's I didn't just not do how. I, I guess I in, in her head, she lost like a a client in a potential movie because of this book. But that's a very specific case. She also was the one that went out of her way to get this like insane role. 
uh, for him. Right. So like it, it was, uh, you can't you can't blame her. And if, if your boss is blaming you for this, then it's a shitty boss. And that kind of translates to Blair's problem also. If Louis is going to be a big baby about this, and you shouldn't be marrying him in the first place. Yeah, it's a bad relationship. It sounds like this this book is a great a great thing for everyone. Um, <laughs> Blair like screams that Dan wrote that they had sex and I guess now it makes sense that Rufus was so enthralled by this that Rufus like did that really happen at the end you and Blair really <laughs> he's that's, that's really happened. excited though <laughs> and then Serena immediately believes it to be true she's like you had sex with Dan uh, apparently if Dan us? writes something <laughs> yeah, apparently if Dan writes something everyone just believes that it's, it's true did you did you hear Chuck's dead yeah <laughs> I read the book Chuck is dead I, I don't know who's in the other room but Chuck is dead it happened <laughs> in the book <laughs> he's been dead for 30 years so uh, louis now walks in and says of course it's true which is why dan had him kill the story and why he asked louis not to read it and if i were dan i would continue to just hammer home the point that this is fiction stop being so self-involved which he does do but he should he should just keep repeating it and being like right. if you see yourself in any of these characters then that's on you the only problem is it doesn't help that he made their name so simply yeah. that is the the only thing that is wrong with this if only he didn't do that yeah, I, I wanted to kill that story because I knew you would do this bullshit, Louis. I knew you'd ex <laughs> respond exactly like this. Uh, Danny is very perfect. He like he he knows his friends well. Yeah, he he sure does. Uh, he wrote a whole book about him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A lot of research. Is this so, the part where Rufus and Lily come in? Not quite yet. Okay, uh, okay. Louis, this is when Louis comes in and says that uh, he came here tonight because he he thought his suspicions were ridiculous, but now he realized that he is ridiculous. Now. He is ridiculous, but I, I, he is ridiculous. Like, that's true. He's, I am ridiculous. I mean, listen but, to me. I sound so stupid. Now, I am the one that's ridiculous. But <laughs> I'm confused. Like, what did he see here that made him think that his suspicions were definitely correct now? Was it when Blair walked in and said, we did not have sex? That Louis like, of course, so you did have sex. Like, wh <laughs> what did he see that confirmed his suspicions? I don't understand. Uh, but you are here instead of at home where I left you. You We're know, I canceled plans. plans and you <laughs> stayed home and done nothing instead. You are glowing uh, and your breasts you are so big, you, I, you had sex again. If you had sex with Dan, you would say exactly this, that you did not have sex with Dan. It proves my point. Like, oh, okay. oh, oh, I suspect everyone of having sex. I am from France. <laughs> and you even did it before we were dating. Okay. <laughs> the, best, the best Louis impression that has been so far is in this episode. Um, <laughs> Alessandra comes in with Rufus and Lily. This is when they come in, and she's glad that everyone's here. Uh, yeah, that's my joke of the episode. Is when everyone's so pissed off and freaked out and screaming at Dan, and she like walks into the room so cute and is like clapping and smiling and laughing as she walks Lily, into the scene. It's so funny. Lily walking in with with such a happy face, excited to see everyone, is so funny. And it's so because we know that Lily read the book too because she was giggling at Nate being gay. The fact that everyone reads the book and is so obsessed, uh, upset, and Lily either like either there was nothing bad said about Lily in the book, which good for her, or which is more likely there was bad things said about Lily and Lily just enjoyed the book anyway and didn't enjoy it as a book it. she's a normal woman she, <laughs> she's right she read the book and she was she was like huh I am kind of a bitch sometimes Dan's a good writer and like just enjoyed <laughs> the book and is happy to be here yeah like good for Lily she's amazing how on earth is it only Lily and fucking Chuck Bass who get it who are like <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's an awesome fine. pairing like it's <laughs> It's, yeah honestly it makes perfect sense now that now that it's all laid out there and rufus is a fucking so, psychopath because he comes in looking excited too and we know how the episode ends what a goddamn lunatic he's like i didn't want to rain on your parade but uh yeah i fucking hate you son. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, i acted he's like, all day yesterday the book loving crew is here i'm, I'm so. officially scared of rufus now if he could act like that <laughs> 
I honestly, it makes me respect Rufus. Like, if if that is legitimately how Rufus feels, him tamping it down for the party is, like, a respectable <laughs> act. Do you know what I mean? Like, if, yeah. if he must be a big baby about it, he's, like, the best big baby about it. Yeah. <laughs> Rufus comes in with a party hat. He's like, I'm fucking inside. This is my book, baby. <laughs> this is my book. <laughs> Alessandra thinks this is the perfect opportunity for the photo and everyone gets together to fake smile except for Louis who can't fake it and looks fucking miserable <laughs> it's in the thumbnail that you sent us for the yes, the segment later but it's, he's that's his only face I don't he, he only smiles after he's done apologizing to Blair for pouting <laughs> yeah um, post photo Blair again insists that it never happened but Louis is for some reason refusing to believe her you said to yourself Dan has no imagination uh, damn Blair's insults coming back to haunt her here I guess and yeah so, but he doesn't know uh, that all the ends are different that's it that's right Dan also tells Louis that it never happened but Louis never knows if Blair is lying to him and that is the problem so Louis leaves because he has no reason to stay anymore um Blair obviously pissed at Dan now, but he tells her that he never wanted us to come between her and Louie. But you, you, and like, well, like, you like this guy that is going to now leave his child behind because he read a book about you? <laughs> because of a book, yeah. And Blair's like, there's no us. What the fuck are you talking about? Uh, there never was, which, although I don't love that this is now going to affect everyone's favorite friendship, Dan and Blair, but right. uh, when she says there's nothing here but friendship and even that's gone now, like, that is tough. But I'm happy that Blair acknowledged that they were friends. Yeah, that's sweet. You, you like to hear it said yeah. out loud. Yeah, you do. Um, Dan begs Alessandra to let him enter, but she's like, eh, not yet. You'll be fine with your friends. It's fine. And she's clearly not paying attention to what is happening. Yeah. And then uh, Dan t- turns to see Serena sternly looking at him with her hands on her hips. Uh, she, Serena has nothing to be fucking mad about. I'm, I, I've had it with Serena. And this is where she goes into like, oh, no, we're not done yet. She has more to say. Yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but first, Ivy stops by to talk to Diana. Um, Interesting that the Nate older woman storyline is finally going to intersect with the people we actually care about. Uh, but unfortunately, it's more of like Ivy now getting sucked into the boring storyline instead of uh, the boring people getting know, sucked into it, the, the better storyline. It line. sort of makes sense only because obviously Dan wouldn't have anything to write about Charlie. Uh, so she's not in the book mm-hmm. and this, that's what's going on over with the other friends. But I hope this doesn't suck her in for too long and then we don't get her involved with the rest of the kids. I completely agree. And so... Ivy asked Diana how she knew, and she said she just had a hunch. But then she did her research, and she's found out about the web of lies that Ivy has spun. I don't know how she did this, but uh, she she's figured everything out. And the only thing she's confused about is why. So Ivy explains that she didn't ask for this. She tells Diana the whole story about Aunt Carol paying her and what happened after. Uh, some more exposition for the new watchers of the show. And Diana is skeptical that Ivy can't get out of this and thinks it's just that she doesn't want to. And she's partly right, yeah, but I, I do believe... Charlie or Ivy when she says she's not doing it for the money she's doing it because she's lonely I believe that too but yeah initially she was just thrown into it of course and she needed the money in the beginning and then where we are now she literally said to Carol like I'm I'm here now baby like I'm, I'm gonna take advantage of this I'm good situation now, but yeah I, I totally yeah. believe it she just like wants a place to live and family and friends for the first time in her life she feels like she actually belongs somewhere right we did hear her say that but uh Anna's going to bring her down to earth. She says when they she doesn't belong here, when they find out she's not one of them, they will destroy her. And Ivy begs Diana not to tell them, and she says she won't. She says, I'm going to protect you if you let me. And uh, Ivy asks what she wants, because obviously she wants something. But I, this is not how I want Ivy to get found out. And, no. I, and I don't want Ivy teaming up with this lady either, so I'm, I'm a little upset here with the direction the storyline's going. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I mean, this is the lady, this is the last person you want to find out about your, your secret. She just... Something off about her. I mean, she's not going to stay tuned you. for the next edition of The Spectator. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if Charlie doesn't do exactly what this lady wants, uh, we're we're going to be in trouble. Yeah. 
Chuck waits for Louis on the sidewalk. E even though he has lost Blair to Louis, he is still trying to help her. Uh, he tells Louis he is making a big mistake and that Louis should never listen to him. Um, Chuck tells Louis that he has a chance at love in his life, not ending up alone, hanging in the closet. Uh, he tells Louis not to give up uh, on his fact over someone else's fiction, and uh, Louis just walks away. So Chuck seems to really be contemplating life now that, uh, after his character's tragic yeah. ending, and it, it seems like he genuinely does not want Louis to end up like him. Isn't he just like smoking a reefer here too? It looks like it's not a cigarette. It looks kind of like that. Is that what a, he was doing? Like some ganj. Now, when you said smoking a reefer, I thought you were just going to say uh, Chuck was smoking hot because Chuck was looking good in this episode. Uh, I think you like a smoking man. <laughs> is, is that it? <laughs> there was something about Chuck. He had a particular glow about him this mm, episode. I, I think that women are more attractive when they're smoking, but not near me. I want to see it on screen. If I get too close to the smell, then I'm grossed out. But I think the image of a smoking woman is very attractive, yeah. Ah, so the the advertising of uh, the pretty women smoking cigarettes back in the day probably would have worked huh, on you. Probably would have worked. Would have wore a wig, got a pack of cigarettes, and went to school. You'd be smoking 10 packs a day by now. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Dan apologizes to Serena if she's hurt, but Serena is mystified. She tells Dan that in high school, he was the only one who saw her for who she really was or who she wanted to be, which is true. Dan always thought better of her than perhaps she deserved, but... Um, Dan helped her to be someone that she could be proud of, according to Serena. And she asked Dan if he even remembers the girl he fell in love with, or just that she got drunk on Thanksgiving, or grazed by a taxi, or married in Barcelona, or slept with not one but two of her professors. Like in I one season, no less, by the way. <laughs> Quite the rap sheet. Like, well, yeah, I remember all those things. I remember all those things and when I fell in love with you. Like, it, it was, it was, it's all true. That, uh, I remember it all too well. Uh, that, that really, <laughs> I, I would love the Serena Vanderwoods inversion of uh, all too well. <laughs> <laughs> that that really does seem so long ago that Dan and Serena were a thing. Like, remember when that was the it couple of the show? Yeah, it, it does seem like a long time ago. I, I'm I'm still waiting for it to happen again. It's it's going to obviously. Even the fact right right here that she asked him about like, do you remember when the last time you like fell in love with me? Like that's that is a very uh, needy question, and it seems like she yeah. still has feelings for him. We are so far removed from it that it, that it is kind of crazy. I I I, uh, I love that being drunk on Thanksgiving is such a huge part of Serena's lore. Like it gets brought up a lot. Right, it, it doesn't happen just once. Yeah, that's her thing. She gets drunk on Thanksgiving. Um, I do too. Dan hates. Dan says he hates to break it to Serena, but those things happened. And Serena tells Dan it's not that they happened; it's how he wrote about them. And then Dan tells her clearly irritated that that's the point. He says Dylan Hunter is a judgmental dick who can't even look at himself in the mirror. My character comes off the worst of all of them. He puts off his writing. He misses job interviews. He ignores his grades. Why? Because he cares more for a pretty blonde than he does his own future. And in the end, none of his friends are happy for his success. They all turn their backs on him and he deserves it and i'm getting kind of chills uh, yeah. reading this line from like it's kind of crazy hears like josh was talking to us directly yes like it's it's very interesting what they do here and like serena hears all this and says yeah he does which i feel like she's missing the point like that that is what dan <laughs> is saying you, you you saying yeah he does is not you're near this is not you're not making a point this is what he is saying you're, he dan is already making this prophecy point. dan has written a book of prophecy this is yeah. all this will all come to be yes I, I again i feel like serena's missing the point still but uh, dan tells serena he's gonna go find blair and make sure she's okay and serena tries to stop him and dan's like i messed up her engagement i could ruin her life and serena true to form asks what about my life and dan just tells her if you can't tell the difference between what i did to blair and what i did to you then maybe your portrayal in the book is more accurate than you thought Got devastating em. blow Got devastating em. blow and then 
to make to make this even more embarrassing for Serena, she fires back with, "That sounds like something Dylan Hunter would say," which is not nearly <laughs> the surf she thinks it is. No, also, not at all. she doesn't fucking know what Dylan Hunter would say. She skimmed no, yeah, she one know. seventh of the book. She doesn't fucking know. It's great because all of his like his quote unquote takedowns. He's not trying to be rude to her. He's just so frustrated with her and wants her to get out of the way. And this is what's coming out of him yeah, organically. It's true. This scene is so interesting. Like, this is probably the best scene in the episode for me. And in an episode yeah. where so much is done, like, so poorly, as I was saying, this scene is done really well, I think. Like, for the first time, this book actually does seem a little interesting with the way that Dan is describing the protagonist of the book that is based on him. We we have been saying for a long time, and, and picking out all of the things that Dan has done wrong that frustrates us or infuriates us, like, the, the fact that he was missing huge interviews to wait for Serena to disappoint him is what's crazy. And this book is Dan, like, finally acknowledging that. Like, yes, it comes at the expense of his friends, but Dan is really honest about himself, and I think he's very self-aware at how he can be a judgmental dick and how he is sometimes is worse than the people he judges and dan being honest about all that is very compelling to see right like i'm saying too it is prophetic in the way that he, yeah and everyone ends up hating me and the, here you are like everyone is pissed off at you for different reasons but for also the, the same reason yeah, for the first time, I like this is now getting interesting. And then Serena not really being able to see this and being just as self-absorbed as Dan makes her out to be is just really the icing on the cake. And so uh, th this also kind of brings up something else that happens a lot where like Dan makes the protagonist someone who is very unlikable and someone who you're not for, supposed to root for. But it seems like Serena and probably a lot of other people are going to misinterpret that and treat uh, Dylan Hunter as some kind of role model to take after. Mm. It's like, you don't get it. D like Dylan Hunter is sucks like that is the whole point right. of this book but think it, about how many people, people come on this not... podcast and like their least favorite characters dan i know yeah and now he's speaking to, he's speaking to kirsten mckinnis directly yeah yeah <laughs> kirsten i know i suck you don't <laughs> have to give me lvp every week <laughs> the only thing that dan humphrey did wrong in this scenario was not change his friend's names a little more that is the only thing he did wrong in my opinion <laughs> No, you're completely right. It's a it's a big misstep, but it is it is the only thing. Yeah, uh, I have to agree. Um, Alessandra's about to announce who Anonymous is, and she introduces Dan Humphrey to the crowd as the room full of strangers claps for him. And the scene is exactly the same as the one that started the episode. An another uh, prediction coming true from Dan. Yeah, it's it's very funny though. I'm I'm wondering where he is going next. I thought he was just going to stand in front of them and like talk or something, and he just walks straight, giving handshakes and like, where do you where do you? Is he just going to leave? <laughs> <laughs> walks straight walks into through, the ocean yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just keeps walking in his shoes Blair and Serena now Blair's really upset that Louie may never speak to her again and Serena asks if uh, that's what she wanted to tell her yesterday uh, that they were having trouble and Blair's like no you dumbass I wanted to tell you that I was pregnant and Serena is immediately ecstatic for this 20 year old to be throwing her life away by having a child and Serena asks to uh to make sure it's good news and Blair says that she was happy but what if she's in it alone now and Serena's like listen I may be busy but you're not going to be in it alone because I'll always be here for you and so I would Blair like to watch them bring this child together that'd be interesting yeah that'll be fun I guess two, two women and a baby yeah um Blair tells Serena she can always count on her, but she just wishes Louie felt the same about her. It feels like um Blair is trying to force herself to feel something for Louie that she already uh feels that she has with Serena yeah that, that's been the case effect since she met Louie or especially like the second round of Louie it's been her like convincing herself that she loves Louis, but she loves Serena. Louis part deux. Deux. Exactly. That's what they say in French. Deux. 
Nailed it. <laughs> uh, Serena, uh, Louis walks into Blair's room and tells her that he does feel that way about her. Oh, okay, well, he didn't a few seconds ago, so that's a little annoying, but all right. And, like, I, <laughs> no, I do love you. I just pout. And, I just pout. And then I hear you complain again. Now I actually do like you again. You're right. Uh, <laughs> Serena takes this as her cue to leave, but uh, first she gives Blair a little smooch and tells her that she loves her before leaving. Yeah, it was not as much lip. I think maybe they, they cut corners like they got they had a little bit of the corners of the lips you know but i didn't know you really analyzed this oh yeah like an under contested play like the refs are reviewing it and they're like all right was he actually out of bounds like, <laughs> right was there any lip touching uh, that's not enough to overturn this call <laughs> there was no lip touch <laughs> Louis says he is ashamed of his behavior. He knows Blair has a complicated past, but she's been honest about it. It's just hard for him because everywhere he turns, there's another secret. And Blair says it's her turn to give Louis a chance. Either he finds a way to trust her or he lets her go, which seems pretty fair to me, uh, even though there is still something huge that Blair's hiding from him. But, uh, you know, he doesn't know that. He doesn't know that. He'll find out soon, then they'll, they'll break up, and then that'll be it. But he, he is very confidently saying, like, oh, of course, I would never leave you. Like. We'll see about that, bud. Okay. Yeah. So Chuck stops by the penthouse. Lily is so happy to see him, and she's happy he called because it's been a long time. And it has been a while since we saw, since we've seen a stepmother and stepson have a meaningful scene together. Um, another duo that we love so much that's taken a back seat since Lily's been yeah. on house arrest. Yeah. We really um, get this one little bit, too, but it is it is very, very sweet and uh, maybe yeah. made me swell up with not full on tears, but like the, the prelude. It was like tear pre cum. Pre, yeah, I was going to call it pre-tier, but yeah, tier pre-com is probably a better <laughs> name for it. Um, so Chuck looks at the picture from last night and tells Lily it seems like he's always off on his own. I, I did think it was weird that Chuck wasn't in the picture, so I, I guess I'm glad that was done intentionally for Chuck to have this moment and be like, man, another picture I missed Yeah, fucking out Louis on. in there, um, but no Chuck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Lily thought he liked it that way, but Chuck confides in his mother figure that he doesn't want to be the unrepentant bad boy who no one cares lives or dies. And Lily tries telling him that it's just a book. Again, Lily is the one that understands through and through that it's just a book. Uh, but what if it isn't? And Lily tells him that there's people who care so much for him if he'd just let him. Or if or if uh, he'd just let them. So this is, is like truly, you said, even Brandon, Dan, who like, doesn't seem to actually care for him. But as soon as Chuck lets him in a little bit, he's like, yeah, I'll be your bud. Yeah, another scene that's really doing it for me. Like, really pulling on yeah, those emotional heartstrings. Yeah. And uh, Chuck is sad that he's lost Blair, and Lily says she's sorry. So a nice scene between these That's guys. all she can say, right? Isn't that, that's, that's such a nice thing to say, too. Just like, I am i can't change that for you, but I am here for you. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's beautiful. He comes into work. He tells Diana he didn't go to the party because Dan sucks. And she has something that might cheer him up, though. She has finally hired someone after firing a dozen people last week. And it is none other than Charlie Rhodes. Charlie's like, I need a new job. Thank you for introducing us. Now I have a job. And even Nate can tell there there must be something more going on here because this makes no fucking sense. Right. He's like, um, I don't understand this coincidence. She showed up here. You're mad about it. And now she works here. And all that Diana says is, a lady never tells. And Nate's like, He's like okay. okay. <laughs> Girls are crazy. I don't understand them, but I love them, man. Uh, Nate agrees to show her around. And, and I have to ask, since Nate has chemistry with everyone he interacts with, uh, is there something here with Nate and uh, Charlie slash Ivy? Yeah, I, I think that'll uh, be a big problem. Big problem. Big Diana's going to be pissed. Yeah. 
Dan and Psycho Rufus are at the loft, and Dan doesn't want to get Rufus excited, but the New York Post called his son the potential to be the voice of the generation. And uh, he continues to read good reviews, but Rufus is just, like, staring at him with his arms crossed. Like, thinking, we know this, Rufus. We see this look. And I fucking hate him. <laughs> Usually it's reserved for Jenny, but th this time he is giving, giving Dan the business here. And Rufus tells Dan that last night was his big night, so he didn't want to ruin it for him. And Dan's like, did you not like the book? But that's not it. It just broke his heart. And uh, this seems to be the reaction that is finally going to break Dan. Yeah, it's tough. Definitely tough. Um, I mean, it's, it's one of the ones that, that is most important to you, too. Your, your father, who was, uh, was apparently so proud of you yesterday. Uh, <laughs> now, he still is, I guess, in general, but is simultaneously disappointed because Rufus is always a little bit disappointed in everything and everyone. <laughs> but it, it's, it's just a stupid yeah. reaction because... Like sure, it's, it's it's based on a lot of true things, but to now wish you <laughs> didn't raise your child, didn't waste your time because of something that happened. Like all the stuff that Dan's talking about is in his adult years and like your adult years, nothing to do with Dan's childhood. So that you want to take that all back because <laughs> not sure. Actively wish I never. Raised yeah, it's, it's an insane thing to say because I clearly did a terrible job. <laughs> so, yeah, so. Rufus explains he gave up his career to raise Dan and never regretted it until yesterday when he read what Dan <laughs> finally thinks of him. Until Charlie reminded has me that I could maybe regret it. <laughs> Dan called him a has-been turned a has-been turned trophy husband who married for money. Okay, first of all, Dan is completely correct yet again. Right. It, it's very it's very funny that all the things we have been saying about these characters are things that Dan has picked up on. It it is almost as if I, I think Kevin, you said this earlier. Like the show is using, like, like the show is acknowledging these things. Like they're using Dan as an audience stand in to like call out the things that the audience uh, maybe has complained about the characters like right down to nate being such a boring character that he gets conflated with eric right and if if, they, if he is going to include his dad in the book what does he want him to write about like oh my dad is such a sweet man so lovely and what a good father he raised me so well or raised <laughs> like dan so well i think that's not an interesting been a great music person but instead he raised me really well yeah, like, look at uh, how I turned out. Me and my sister Jenny, both two, two incredibly <laughs> well-adjusted people. We grew up in an apartment where, at any second, three thousand pounds of vinyl could fall <laughs> off a shelf and kill us instantly. Right. <laughs> but, but, yeah, but to have, to have like a, a torn or worn relationship with your father in a book is way more interesting than just having a really, really good one. Of course. And he says, he's like, you should know better than anyone. Like, uh, you should understand artistic license better than anyone here. Right. Um, but, like, I, I am a little surprised that, like, does Dan know who Rufus is? Like, obviously, he should know that Rufus is going to be upset about it. He's upset about everything. Yeah. Well, all day yesterday, he was like, okay, good. I guess I'm in the clear. <laughs> yeah. Um, Rufus says that he never expected to be Dan's hero. He didn't think he'd end up with a fool. Well, Got you are a fool. That's <laughs> what do you want. <laughs> I always knew you'd be the fool, Rufus, if that makes you feel any better. <laughs> I think if you're going into parenting as a father, just assume you're going to be the fool. Yeah, exactly. You're going to be a fool. It, if you're the father, you're the fool. <laughs> your That's name TV is Ru Rufus. <laughs> if your name is Rufus, you're the fool. You're the fool. If, you're the fool. if your name is Rufus, you're the fool. If you're a TV dad and your name is Rufus, you might be a fool. You might be the fool. <laughs> if you have a secret family chili recipe, you might be the fool. <laughs> So, uh, producer Jane has read Inside. She tells Serena she wants the book. She wants the movie rights, and since Serena is friends with the author, that shouldn't be a problem. And Serena's like, well, we're not exactly on good terms, but J Jane is seeing dollar signs. So she basically tells Serena that your reputation sucks, so unless you want to get fired, get the fucking movie rights right now. You have one week. So uh, will Serena get it done? She'll get it done, and uh, she'll seduce Dan to get it. 
Dan, I'll give you a little kiss if you give me the movie rights. One kiss per page. (laughs) Wow. That's a whole 200 kisses. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Now Dan's really glad that he spaced out those those lines so much. (laughs) That page count up. All part of his plan. (laughs) Again, his gift of prophecy. He knew. He knew. (laughs) He knew. Nate is showing Charlie around. Uh, showing around what? Like, how much? How much is there to this place? There's a computer on <laughs> Diane's desk, and that's it. <laughs> Diana stares down Charlie before going back inside. Uh, like, okay, whatever. Hate that Charlie got dragged into this pointless Nate storyline, but here we are. Uh, we get like the montage now. Blair's laying in bed with Louis. Louis's like staring off into the distance and still doesn't seem happy for some reason. Uh, Chuck is also staring into the distance. Uh, you know, I'm feeling bad for Chuck these days. He's he's like ever since he learned how to feel again, he's been sad. Yeah, maybe Louis into Chuck. Oh, yeah. you think that's it? Maybe after that conversation. Oh, that'd be good. Well, he saw Chuck smoking and was attracted to it. I was very upset when you were having sex with Dan. I want you to have sex with Chuck so we can all have sex together. <laughs> yeah. I was very jealous of you and that dog. I wanted to be the dog. What? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> I want Chuck to walk me like I'm his little dog monkey. I want to yell at the squirrel. <laughs> I want to I want the squirrel. <laughs> Very interesting character point for Louis, but all right. <laughs> Dan gets a call from Alessandra. She has great news. The book is number four on Amazon, and his reading at Barnes & Noble is filling up fast. Uh, Dan, too depressed to enjoy any of this, but Alessandra asks Dan how many tickets she should put on hold for friends and family, and if we couldn't figure it out already, uh, Dan tells her none. It's just going to be him. Uh, so we're ending this episode with, with a big oof for Dan. Oof, baboof. Poor guy's lonely as hell. Oof, baboof with this guy. Yeah. I, I bet, you know and, uh, what? I bet Chuck shows up. How sweet. I hope. And just starts a slow clap in the back. (laughs) (laughs) At the the Union Square Barnes & Noble. A damn fine Barnes & Noble, my dad say. Still standing strong. Four floors. Wow. A four-floor Barnes & Noble. That's beautiful. Four-floor Barnes & Noble is beautiful. They have a beautiful uh, set of Criterion DVDs and Blu-rays in the back. That's where I always go when they do the 50% off sale. Nice. It's a damn fine You know bar where I would always go? Before they got rid of it in Crossgates Mall in Albany, they had an FYE that always, like, wow. I'd be buying, like, the entire, like, all seven, like, at the time, all seven Saw movies and, like, two seasons of Arrested Development for, like, the low, low price of $20. That's Like, insane. incredible deals there. Yeah. yeah. Some great stuff. Oh, yeah, for nothing. Yeah. In the in the greater, you know, Midwest St. Louis area, there's this, there's this uh, company called V-Stock there. It's like, and you can just get so much shit for, for dirt cheap. I got the... The Armageddon release where it has the commentary where Ben Affleck is drunk and making fun of the movie the entire time. (laughs) I got that for like three dollars. You know, it's just it's an incredible resource. Yeah. These places seriously do have the best deals. Uh, I I wish uh, FYE would make would make a comeback here. I could I could use some uh, cheap DVDs. I mean, I guess I could always go to the uh, Walmart dollar DVD dollar DVD bin that that I'm sure is still going strong, but it's not the same. Um, So that ends like one of the most uh, depressing episodes of Gossip Girl. But Gossip Girl tells us that this is the beginning of a new chapter. So what does this new chapter look like, Brendan? I don't know. It sounds messy, though. I I, I think there's going to be just a big shift in friend group and uh, who's on whose side and who's not. It's going to be interesting. And uh, Charlie, I hope, doesn't spend too much time with Diane. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be sad that Nate's not best friends with, with Dan, but... Uh, if, if it means a Chuck trade, I'm okay with that for now. Yeah, I mean, Dan and Chuck should always be interesting, so we'll see how that yeah. goes. Uh, Kevin, you haven't seen anything after this, have you? Uh, would you like also like to make a prediction? 
Um, yeah, I think, uh, boy, I, uh, you know, I will boldly say, you know, it's time for, uh, Blair and Dan to kiss. It's time. Oh. Uh, I think Diana Payne is going to defeat Hikaru Shida for the AEW Women's <laughs> Championship. <laughs> Can't uh, wait for that episode. Uh, it's going to be great. Uh, uh, yeah, and that's, uh, th- those are, those are my big, those we are could, my big We could use a wrestling episode. Hey, so come on just do it they need to settle these disputes in the ring you know when when there's there's no more room for talk yeah. and the and the fists and we the put it in the ring the chops must do the talking <laughs> settle it in the ring between the ropes <laughs> Let, let's get into some segments here let's start with uh my former favorite segment user review of the week caleb a morgan is back last week they titled or they titled their uh review dan is the worst this week the title of the review is this season feels weird and dan is a horrible person and they gave the episode <laughs> the a one out of ten wow now so here here's Goodness a review me i really dislike dan each season he gets worse and worse why is he suddenly obsessed with blair to write them having sex is so weird and creepy why would he trust serena and his own dad in his book he knew who serena really was and everything that actually happened yet he wrote her in a negative way then tried to gaslight her into thinking she was wrong to react the way she did and the way he wrote rufus his father who gave up a lot for him just a literal sociopath let's not forget that he started the series out being obsessed with serena if it wasn't for serena he would have no friends and none of the opportunities he does Ugh, i dislike him so so much he's making it hard to watch the series anymore wow wow caleb a morgan tell us how you really feel i mean it, it does now that you put it that way with the, with the the sex thing it is weird to write that you had sex with someone in your book <laughs> a little bit <laughs> uh, luckily they had at least a kiss beforehand but definitely i would be embarrassed think, for that person the, to read it you think the next episode starts with serena being like hey uh can i get the movie rights to to uh to your book and dan's like yes and i'll play dylan hunter and blair waldorf will play claire carlisle let's make it happen <laughs> well, blair i guess we have to have sex it's in the movie <laughs> Uh, I thought this was a spoiler-free podcast. This coming? <laughs> you know what? I don't have a huge recollection of how this season goes, so if that ha- if that does in fact happen, I I am sorry for the inadvertent spoiler. <laughs> I hope there's a lot of uh, drama the rest of the season. I hope it's like Scream Three, where they're like yeah. making you know the uh, movie yeah. of Gossip of Girl, and there's all this interaction, people playing. Who will play? Claire Schmaldorf, you know, and what is the, <laughs> will she go to Blair to learn how to be Blair, you know? Speaking of, this seems like uh, something that would be done in the last season. This is how the last season of One Tree Hill plays out, where oh uh, they, they make a TV series based on the events of One Tree Hill, and they're, like, casting people to play the roles and everything. Like, this is exactly last season material. There is just a certain point in a TV show's life where it just becomes obsessed with itself. itself yes. You know, like, season one, it's obsessed with plot. Then seasons, you know, two to five, it's obsessed with characters. And then the next season, it's obsessed with itself. And it, and it never it's leaves true. that cycle. That is, that is the, yeah, that is the cycle of, of a series for, for sure. Um, next week, the episode is called The Fasting and the Furious. Oh, more fasting. That's fun. Oh. Uh, maybe me and Ganesh will make an appearance. <laughs> uh, Brendan, do you have any predictions based on the episode title? Um, mm, cars? <laughs> Did you say bars? No, Cars. Oh, God, I said bars. Cars, no, you, you fool. I said cars. <laughs> Another normal thing to Mikey say. McQueen will be there. Mater. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, Mater. The, blurb, the blurb yeah. says, Serena must choose her job or her relationship with Dan. So I guess Serena's going to have some kind of choice. Um, let's grade the episode. Brendan, I went first last week. You can go first this week. What do you grade this 
episode. This one is tough because, it, like we, we were saying all episode long, it's it's messy. But that's, that's kind of normal for Gossip Girl, so I, I will excuse a good chunk of that because I was interested watching this entire episode uh, with some annoyances here and there. Um, not everything was perfect. Not everything was great. Um, it wasn't like the funniest episode by any means, but it, it was something that we've never seen before from Gossip Girl, which was always like very refreshing because usually we get a lot of recycled material or, or something just dragged out for way, way too long. So I, I was kind of pleased with what was happening here. It does feel like, like Gossip Girl was alluding to that this is the start of something new. Um, start I, I had, I know. I, I, I almost didn't I want to say to the last it. word. I had to do it. I had to do, <laughs> I had to do it. it. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of middling here with this grade because there's a lot of good and bad. I'm, I'm going to give it a B minus. Okay. Uh, a respectable yeah. B minus. Uh, Kevin, what do you give the episode? You know, I don't know. This might sound crazy. This might sound weird. This is definitely in the like B plus A minus wow. territory. I don't know. As far as late season Gossip Girl goes, like mm. this is what I want. I want a bunch of stupid shit. <laughs> I want it. I want people acting like idiots and I want uh, them to all be uh, sh- being funny at each other. And uh, I thought there was a lot to laugh at in this episode and it's a good premise for an episode of Gossip Girl season five. I was I was a big fan. I was into it. Yeah. So just for the record, are you going B plus or A minus? Yeah, fuck it. A minus. What wow. do I who cares? A minus. Who cares? <laughs> who cares? It's for me, yeah, I have no idea. There there's so much I didn't like about this episode and so much that like doesn't make sense and and i have exhausted myself talking about it but there's also something so interesting about this episode and at the very least i definitely had thoughts on it and like the episode kept me invested it's the most interesting episode they've had in a long time so i will uh continue my pattern of giving a better grade each episode so far in this season uh the episode's all over the place and and very stupid it still has uh, uh, the pointless nate and diana plot uh, and they're sucking in ivy as well unfortunately so it surely will not be in the a range for me but it's getting a a b plus for me so right right on the edge there Give it a nice B plus. So yeah, uh, respectable grades all around. Um, let's give our MVPs. Brendan, who's your MVP of the episode? Hmm, my MVP goes to Lily. I mean, <laughs> when I have to think about it for that long, <laughs> it's gonna be my girl. We were saying before, like <laughs> she she has my joke of the episode. She's just so happy and so sweet all the time. She has that great moment with Chuck. She's one of two people that seem to understand that this is a work of fiction, even though it's close to not being that. Uh, it's a book. A book is a book, and um, she's one of again two people the two best in the, in the in the episode that don't give dan a hard time about what he wrote and she's just so sweet and uh she wore glasses again so that's always gonna be points for me <laughs> kevin who's your mvp of the episode you know the last time i was on this show ever everyone knows i'm a, I'm a big <laughs> blair waldorf head but the last time i was on the show i gave mvp to Chuck Bass, a character I am remarkably mixed on on the course Mm. of this entire show. And I cannot fucking believe it, but I'm going to do it again. (laughs) This was Chuck. He's on the show and Chuck gets an MVP both times. I can't. He's a Chuck boy. boy. I can't believe it, but Chuck was just like, he was great. You know, he was funny. He was insightful. He was, you know, a real, a little little trickster hanging out in the corner. (laughs) I can't believe it. It's Chuck Bass again. And if it wasn't Lily for me, it would have been Chuck. So I'm with you. Yeah, I agree. Those are the two options. I- I'm going back to the mantra that we had when we couldn't figure out anyone to give an MVP to, like back in the day. When in doubt, choose a Lily for MVP. She she just has a regular episode, and that is enough for this week. She she is her and Chuck again. We have been saying the only characters that that well, 
I guess I was going to say the only characters that don't come off looking bad. I, I guess you can say that, you know, Chuck's ending is depressing, but Lily is possibly the only character that doesn't come off looking bad. Either that or she just doesn't care, which is more likely, which is even more MVP worthy. And she also, like, isn't the, like, she's not Dan either, who wrote the book and made a bunch of enemies. So uh, by virtue of staying net neutral, like, she beats out everyone else this week, except for Chuck. Uh, so those were the two options, and I'm, I'm giving it to Lily. She, love it, she love it, love had, it. A, she had a fun episode, so... Good for Lily. Excellent. Two MVPs for her this week and one for Chuck. Uh, let's get into our LVPs. Brendan, a lot to choose from here. Who's your LVP? Yeah, a lot to choose from. Almost overwhelmingly. So um, there's a couple of people that I thought of off the bat. <clears throat> uh, Serena being an obvious one. But she was part of why this episode was good, even though she was being mm -hmm. herself, which is annoying. Um, then Rufus, like I was saying before, is an absolute lunatic. Uh, and <laughs> I, can, I just like giving him... LVPs for the sake of LVPs, like I did last week, I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> but it, it, half his episode was okay. It just the ending was like, well, come on, man. It's, it's almost predictable for him. Um, but someone who made this episode at parts unenjoyable was uh, was Louis. Louis's my LVP. <laughs> He's it never has a redeemable scene. Never. Yeah. Don't like him at all. LVP stands for Louis. Damn it, something Prince. I don't know what the V stands for. I really <laughs> thought I had something there, but <laughs> Louis, we'll have to, I'll have to workshop Louis that. Louis Volva Prince? Mm -hmm. Yep, Louis the Volva Prince. That's what they, that's what they call him. <laughs> that's what they call him. <laughs> that's what, calls him, yes. it was what he is known as. <laughs> okay. Kevin, who's your, who is your Volva Prince of the, of the <laughs> oh, episode? Yes, it's Louis Volva Prince. Let me tell you. God, get this guy out <laughs> of here. Put, put him on a boat. Get him away. boat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're we're sharing a brain on this one. Uh, Louis starting to piss me off here. Yeah. How many times can you not trust Blair, even though she hasn't given you a reason not to yet? Uh, he reads a fiction book where the character, based on the woman he is marrying, has sex with the protagonist, and he just automatically assumes that it's true and won't believe Blair, the woman who he is marrying, when she and says it didn't happen. Child. And also. Even if it did happen, so what? This well, happened before they met. He is being a bitch, and he doesn't have any positive qualities to outweigh that. So he is the Volva, the, Volva, the Volva, Volva Prince. Prince. <laughs> That's the opposite of Queen Sweep now, the Volva, the Volva Prince. <laughs> oh, goodness. You're either Queen Sweep or you're Prince Volva. Those are the, <laughs> those are the two those options. Are the two options. I'm glad to see the Prince Volva. Finally, that does it for our segments, except for everyone's favorite segments, Lonely Boys Theater. You are now listening to Lonely Boys Theater. And this week, we are going to do the scene where uh, Dan and, not Dan, where Blair and Serena ask each other if they read what Dan wrote about them, and Chuck just kind of uh, is enjoying the chaos. So, I have my script in front of us. Let's Pick out some roles. Uh, Kevin, you are our guest. Would you like to be Serena? Would you like to be Chuck? Would you like to be Blair? I feel I feel like I have to back my two-time MVP, Chuck yeah. Bass. I mean, you you picked a scene Bass. because you were excited to do Chuck. You got you to gotta be Chuck. Yeah, it's I true. wanted someone to do Chuck. I just like hearing Chuck impressions. But, uh... <laughs> All right, we'll take turns. Yeah, we'll all do I... Chuck at some point. We'll do the scene three times. It's like that play where they trade off roles of like slow west. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good, yeah, let's do that. Um, so I'm assuming if uh, Kevin is Chuck, Brendan, you would want to be Serena and I would want to be Blair? That's right. That's right. All right. So if everyone has their script in front of us, Serena, get us started. Hey, do you know where Dan is? Can you believe what he wrote about me? Which part? 
Sabrina is glamorous, sexy, beautiful. Selfish, insensitive, shallow. I can tell you from experience, everyone loves a villain. Yeah, I told Blair the same thing, and then I realized, if that's true, why are you always alone? Not one word. Have you seen Dan Chuck being his best friend? No, have you? Did, Did you, you see what he wrote oh, me? Was it, oh, oh, one, one, two, three. Did, Did you, you see, see what he wrote, wrote about me? me? One, no, I didn't two, have time three. to Did read you? all no, of it. Okay. <laughs> Just all the parts about me. Two. Check the study. I can lose my job over okay. this. <laughs> oh, we're, we're, I can lose my fiance. What? <laughs> what? Looks like the best piece. We're just going to read the rest of the rest of the quotes. <laughs> keep going down. <laughs> Looks like the best piece of fiction <laughs> is that people are actually happy for Dan Humphrey. Wow, gonna, that's good gossip. Spotted. <laughs> Spotted. Uh oh, B. Looks. Like, uh-oh, Careful S. <laughs> Looks like. It is. Careful B. One Careful of the most voiceover performances of like the 21st century. <laughs> it's truly like, it's incredible what Kristen Bell did for six seasons on this show. Uh, OB, looks like Louis is the vulva prince of this week. <laughs> <laughs> Careful bitch. <laughs> um, all right. Great job all around yet again. Uh, that does it. For the segments, that does it for everything except, of course, for some plugs. But before we plug our shit, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us again. And so soon after you joined us for the Sandy Boys, uh, nothing nothing like having a, having a great chat with TV's Kevin Lanigan. Absolutely. Is there anything you would like to plug at this hour? Of course. Uh, well, thank you both for, for having me back. Yes. I don't know if there's any uh, room on the schedule for a third appearance, but oh. uh, it's, been, it's been a true pleasure every time I've appeared. Um, and thank you for giving me the inspiration to finally like watch this show all yeah. the way through. It's been a, it's been a, it's been a sheer delight. Um, I, I am of course, TV's Kevin Lanigan at all the usual places. Uh, and I have a couple of podcasts of my own. Um, one is called run the Julia's, uh, where we are watching every Julia Roberts, uh, uh acting yeah. performance. Uh, really, really enjoying that. We have, you know, five, six, seven episodes out by the time you're listening to this. And uh, we're we're going strong. And then there is, of course, uh, movies for babies, uh, where uh, a couple of friends and I watch uh, movies aimed at children, and we watch good ones, we watch bad bad ones, and we're having we're having a great time over there. And that is, of course, movies spelled with a Z, the number four babies spelled with a Z. Hell yeah, Ugu Gaga. That's what I have to say to that. Oh yeah, that's what I'm always saying. Because when you get a a movie made for children that is bad, like that is a bad like that. Those are tough to get through. Yeah, unwatchable almost. Because like usually if it's a bad movie for kids, like the actors aren't trying, the production people aren't. Mm -hmm. It's just like there's nothing to grasp on. It's it's a really sad day when like you watch your first movie that you're like that was bad. Like when you when you finally have taste, depressing. When you're like I don't know like eleven and you're like yeah huh that. That mo- that's the first movie I've ever watched that I didn't think was good. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh-oh. Movies can be movies can be bad now. Yeah. Uh oh, baby. This sucks. Movies can be bad now. Um, <laughs> New rule. You know, movies can be bad now. <laughs> Famously, my first movie that I ever thought was bad was watching Nacho Libre in theaters. Cut to like twenty years later, I watched it in college, and I was like, I was so wrong. What an idiot child I was. This is so fucking funny. 
fuck you. That's one of my least favorite movies too. But I, I've, I've said that uh, Mike White has the distinct honor of writing my third favorite movie and my third least favorite movie, which is a uh, quite quite the feat. I, I've. I've long said that Napoleon Dynamite is my least favorite movie, but maybe it was just the first movie I didn't like, yeah, and that is why I still have a negative, such a negative reaction to you it. Might have the Nacho Libre effect. <laughs> the Nacho Libre effect. Um, Brendan, what are you plugging? Uh, I'm staying true to my word all month long. I am only plugging the Patreon so we can reach our goal of 20 new patrons this month, uh, or th- not this month. There'll be a lot of episodes to cover in, <laughs> in the span of a month. <laughs> this this entire season, season five. I'm plugging the Patreon, patreon.com slash thehappyboyspod. Follow us and listen to the Sandy Boys if we get 20 this month. Uh, with Lonely Boys Bucks, of course, Gagan is buying me a Kelly Rutherford cameo, and we will be playing it for you on air at some point, I guess during like the mid-season or the after-season finale, whatever it is. Uh, so please subscribe, three bucks a month. You get three bucks, you get like pretty much an entire season's worth of podcasting. They're just as long as this one. They're just as funny. All the same guests, Kevin Lanigan was on that as well. Listen to that episode if you subscribe. So you can hear Kelly Rutherford's sweet, sweet voice. Listen to that episode. Yeah. Um, I'll plug yeah, it. I'll actually, I, I, I'll know, actually link it in the episode description finally. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. And hopefully uh, this leads to Kelly Rutherford being on the podcast as well. That's who, the who real knows? goal. You, you never know. You never know. Um, what should I plug? Uh, 1989 Taylor's version, of uh, course. Been yeah. listening to that nonstop since it dropped. Um, Do you have a favorite uh, uh, vault song? Yeah, say don't go. You yeah. co- tweeted back at me. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of the best one. They're all I pretty good. The, I, like, uh, I like all five. Uh, the verses, the verses to that song sound kind of like the verses of uh, Clean, which is why I, I guess it makes sense that only one of them made the final cut right. of the album. Makes sense. I think they all kind of sound like uh, like they'd be Midnight's tracks. Like uh, they, they have a lot they do. of they uh, have like that, suburban legends. They have that reverb in the background too, like the. They have that vibe, yeah. And suburban and legends sounds a lot like Mastermind. Yeah, uh, is it over now? Sounds like uh, sounds like labyrinth. I was listening to a podcast about the album, and they were like, "Could it be that they were like working on 1989 Taylor's version, and they got to these vault songs, and Taylor was just like, nah, I need to make an album like this,' and then she just like fucking branched off and did that." Right, you wonder. You wonder the process. We'll never know. You have Could to. We... You really, you really do have to wonder. Um, what else? I, I guess that's it. I, I you can follow me on Twitter at at MaddieFresh24. You can follow Brendan at Ruppy Puppy. You can follow his other podcast, The Hoppy Boys, at The Hoppy Boys Pod. And you can come back next week where we'll be breaking down season five, episode five, The Fasting and the Furious. But until then, you know you love us. XOXO, Lonely, Lonely Boys. Bye bye.